Today's podcast is brought to you by drinkers like you. To help support the show, visit patreon.com slash have a drink show. Today's episode has a dress code. Only board shorts and Hawaiian shirts allowed. We are talking about tiki drinks today, so it feels like you should get in the mood. Will this episode only be about kitsch, or are there more to these sweet, sweet, strong concoctions? Well, make sure you have your cocktail umbrella ready and join us as we have a drink. Welcome to Have a Drink, the show where you learn along with us about what you drink. I'm Brennan E. Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. Uh, I'm Christopher Walker. And I'm Casey Price. Sarah, I just realized I could use a tiki to, as, a, as a drumstick for the cowboy <laughs> bit. Right, right. It's a good thing there wasn't a drink in that tiki. <laughs> oh, God. You have no idea how much I actually wish I had like a tiki mug. Just, I wouldn't have to put anything in there. I, I would just drink regular water out of that thing, but it just looks festive. <laughs> yeah. Uh How's everybody doing? Uh, that great. Yeah, <laughs> seems like we're we're killing it today. Just a good beat of silence. No, we're we're we got to see a movie today. We were pretty good. Um, oh. that's great. Uh, take uh take Emmett out to to watch like uh, Citizen Kane. Oh, uh, yeah. Schindler's List. Yeah, it's definitely in theaters right now. Went to see um, uh. <laughs> Theater somewhere, I'm sure. 40th anniversary of Showgirls. I don't know how old that movie is. Probably right, actually. Uh, no, we saw the the new Mario movie. Mario, the, is it literally called the Super Mario Brothers movie? I think. Yes. Um, it's fantastic. Super Mario Bros. Yeah. Uh, it was so much fun. Like so much fun. Like if you've ever played the games, really at all, and actually enjoyed them, then. You would love the movie, and with, the casting is perfection. With the music and everything, if you've consumed pop culture in the last forty years, you will find it mildly entertaining. I feel like there's, I feel like what that movie needs to have is uh, uh, Mario charging in to save someone while uh, I need a hero is playing. Then I'm really surprised that wasn't a thing. Um, just like throwing fireballs. It's literally <laughs> a thing. That's the training montage. Oh, it is, oh, isn't it? Yeah, Peach is like whipping his flabby ass into shape and putting him to shame. And then suddenly I Need a Hero starts playing. And I was like, because it's the only appropriate song. Uh, it, it's it's so good. Spoilers for, so for the funny. Mario movie. Yeah, I, yeah. That's in the trailers. But uh, I mean, maybe I'm, that's why I thought of it. Because like, in my head, it's just like, I, I've not, well, and no, actually, I haven't really watched any of the trailers for it either. So, no. Yeah, the it actually made me like Peach. Because like usually I'm just like, all right, Peach, I get it. You're no, she's the captured. only competent one. Like that, I was going into it. That was my demand. I was like, well, that's the only way this works 
is that everyone else is an absolute failure and Peach is the only competent one. She's like, we need you to save us, Mario. And then she's like, I'll do it. <laughs> she's, like, she's like, you suck okay. so bad, I'll do it. I was going to say, that's what you kind of have to do since her entire characterization is damsel, damsel in distress. Yeah, That's not a... Which is definitely not a thing in this movie, really. I don't know. It's So the, the in-game cameos that they have are all fantastic. And then in the end, you're like, but what about this one and this one and this one and this one? I did see in a trailer that they brought in Donkey Kong, and I was like, "That this should not be." Donkey Kong has his own mythos. Oh, he's. I, I know. I, I know that he starts out. It's the first Mario game, but he's not saving Peach in that. He's saving Pauline. Paulette? Pauline, who's also in the game or in the movie. Yeah. Hmm. It, um, I, they they worked it in really well because they they went into the whole like there's a lot of different galaxies and oh the Kongs and you know I'm like the, okay. the Kongs are central. And great. You even get a short snippet of the DK Donkey Kong. Mm-hmm. It's so good. So, Fred, no. God. Yeah, Fred it, Armisen is Cranky Kong. It's pretty great. Yeah. I highly recommend everybody see it. And like, so the big, and the thing I saw like on Twitter, cause he had sent me the thing initially. Oh, the Rotten Tomatoes. The, there's like 56% critic score. And then now it's 98% for the viewers of viewers score, audience score. And it's like, yeah, cause you're dumb uh, <laughs> critics. Um, and Lamar Wilson's tweet was like, he's like, what did these people just, they never experienced happiness or <laughs> he's like, why? <laughs> but no, it was, it was so much fun. I really actually hope they make a sequel. Hmm. And then we're, we're just going to go ahead and put it out there that uh, this isn't a spoiler. Kind of is, kind of isn't. I don't know. They let Jack Black uh, write a song. It's like be oh. Jack Black. <laughs> the, the, yeah, they. But he basically Jack Black got to write a Tenacious D style song for <laughs> the movie. This oh, like just questions of how many cloaca push ups, how many hemipene push ups can <laughs> can uh, can Bowser do? It's pretty fantastic though. Yeah, highly recommend the movie. Lots oh. of fun. Uh, I don't know. We were kind of left raw because the like advertising to death. Oh, go go to the go get your uh, commemorative popcorn tin. That's <laughs> Super Mario. I uh, wait in line to get it after the fact. We've already eaten a large bucket of popcorn, and I'm, we're like walking out, and I was like, "No, we want that tin. That's pretty awesome." It's a big question mark block thing. So. Yes, yeah, the big question mark block, and I'm like, "Okay, that's pretty cool." I was like, "I'll go pay fifteen bucks for it." I was like, "I'll just tell them I don't even want the popcorn. I just want fifteen bucks. <laughs> just give, give me, me the this. thing." And they, they're like, no, no. They're like, I, I see them behind the camera, like everyone in front of me, just like burning through this line quick, and they're shaking their heads no. And I was like, they don't have any. Oh, sure enough, I get up, like everyone just wanted it, and they're like, no. yeah. And like the movie's been out like three days. Yeah, they they set them all on day one, probably. Yeah, no joke. There were people there. There was a whole group of people. Um, and they don't have the D and D ones either, because for the D and D ones, they had uh, commemorative D twenty popcorn tins and they also had commemorative tankards that you could get your drinks in speaking of i went and watched dungeons and dragons in the last couple weeks yes 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 which is also it's a fun romp for for i'm not saying it's you know uh the godfather or anything but oh, it's, you, you don't mean those the what vin diesel early aughts <sighs> <Oof. laughs> I can't even but remember what that it, it, it was called. 
I think it was just called Dungeons and Dragons. It was like it? something the King. I can't remember. Uh, <laughs> uh, but no, that uh, it's it's a it's a fun movie. It's set in Forgotten Realms, so they have like a lot of like little little Easter eggs, little little references. Yeah, they're in the city of Neverwinter, and at first it's like Hugh Grant's character is taking over Neverwinter, and I'm like, wait, what about Lord? It's like apparently Lord Never Neverember has fallen asleep. There you go. <laughs> like oh cool you're just ready to answer nerd questions right off the bat i appreciate that thank you very much look they knew who was coming to see that movie <laughs> <laughs> yep they went no we got to make some stuff airtight before <laughs> before the nerds come in uh but, but they have some like some fun uh fun ways that they like, kind of play with uh how they do like kind of magic in the thing they've got like a wild wild mage uh uh, uh sorcerer it's like his powers are kind of unpredictable and you know, he casts the wrong spells from time to time. They've got uh, Chris Pine is is a bard. He's just there, being charming and handsome, barding it up. That's one of those things. Where, like Chris Pine's there, being Chris Pine. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and uh, he's just being there, making you want those dreamy cheekbones. <laughs> uh, could slice oranges on those babies. And then, uh, uh, who else is in there? I think does a really, really fun job. Uh, I will say the one of the highlights of the movie is they uh, they have a, a a prolonged sequence with uh, the speak with dead spell. <laughs> <laughs> they they have the thing that you would expect to happen when you get five questions that you're going to ask a dead person. They dig up a corpse and they go. Uh, he's like, I will answer your questions. Anyone have any other questions? That is, I was like, like no, no, no. I did you think I was talking to you? That is question three. <laughs> uh, no, and the, only, get, the only acceptable they get, they get into an issue. They get into an issue too, where it's like, and it's like that was only four questions. You gotta ask another one. We've got what we need from him. Look at him; he's just there, <laughs> just uncomfortable now. He can't sleep until we get it. Okay, that that's so. that's almost. Uh, that, I'll say that's better than the Hellboy. <laughs> strap to the back like ah, rah, rah, rah. shut up <laughs> where he's got a, a noose he takes the noose that it was hung with and it's just like yeah. using it as a, as a strap yes carrying it around it's also a great fit there's a lot of fun you have when you when you talk with corpses i guess so where the corpse is just calling him a red monkey the whole time <laughs> and insulting him it's like just put me back to kill me again and then it falls uh, into like a bottomless pit and is screaming, I was better off dead. Apparently they made uh, D&D character sheets for all the, the main oh. characters in the movie. Uh, I haven't looked them up. Uh, uh, one of them I know is like a, a, I think like their druid maybe is like a level 15 druid. And I'm looking at this going like, I don't think the rest of the party is that strong. <laughs> uh, but it's a, uh, it is pretty fun. They do have a weird thing where you come into the movie and you know it starts up and it's like the cast there and you can tell like a couple of them are pretty much there at gunpoint. They're like, you're the real heroes for coming to the movies, <laughs> watching it the way it was meant to be seen. And you're like, oh, okay. Look, I could do without this. I don't need to be congratulated for showing up. I came to watch a movie because I wanted to sit down in a quiet place with popcorn. <laughs> mm. I came to watch a movie because this is the only place I can see it right now. Yes. Uh, Whereas we were regretting it kind of most of the time because Emmett is, he's a bit extra. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it's Mario on a, you know, 60 foot screen in front of him. Yeah. 
So <laughs> yeah. Down, he's like, run, run, Mario. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no screaming inside. Oh, well, when uh, they end up in the what do they call them? Whatever, wherever Bowser and all the evil stuff is. He he gets scared, so he just like collapses and like slide because it's leather chair. So he just slides out of the chair into the floor with a big thump. <laughs> All the noise, and he's down on the floor going oh, scared, oh. like making a big show of it. We're like, dude, stop! This like, this this. No offense, I love your child dearly, but also this is why I go to like matinee shows on Sundays. Yeah, no, that's. Yeah. <laughs> I, I show up before the kids come into the movies. I'm like, no, we're just going to come in. We're going to watch this. Ideally, no one else is here. There were still people there for the movie last Sunday, but, you know. To be I, fair, I, it was mostly people with with their kids. kids. With it was, yeah, yeah, definitely that age I, range. I, I was figuring when you went to that, like, no, I bet you there's, there's, there's enough kids there that people are like, yeah, this is just going to be kind of par for the course for everyone here. There was definitely a kid younger than him, like, in the row in front of us, I think. Mm-hmm. And behind us. Casey, what movies have you gone to go see? None. <laughs> oh, okay. Although tomorrow I may go watch both of these. Say, it's legit oh. Mario movie. Just do it. I, I'll be I, by myself. Kids will be with grandparents. I do love a double header. I do yeah. love that double feature. You just sit there like, no, you know what? I, I did that one time and I did it like at two different theaters because I couldn't get it like literally back-to-back <laughs> viewings. Yep. I just went. I have just enough time to drive across town to get to the other one in time. Let's go. <laughs> So okay, before we move this on, I've got to like that just reminded me of the before times. I missed when we could go. I mean, we're talking about Chris Pine even. Um, so we used to go to what was a Cinemark, or mm. no, what was it? There was one Regal. more. There, no, 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 the one over in Florence it wasn't a Regal. Oh, oh, AMC. No, AMC is where we go now. It was a Cinemark. It was a Cinemark, but it had like. The whole top tier was like blocked off, and it was where you could get dinner at your seat and all this stuff. Mm. The bougie, and uh, we'd always go there for huge marathon showings. Mm. When the MCU was in its infancy, and there were only like three or four movies, they'd be like, "We're going to show all four movies leading up to the next one." Or when they were doing the new Star Trek movies, mm. they would start showing them and big showing marathons and have themed cocktails and all this stuff. Yeah, that was great too. The themed cocktails. I miss that. You're talking about, you know, catching everything in like one afternoon. That's what we used to do. And I'm like, man, no one, won't let me. <laughs> no one lets, like, no one does that now. I was like, man. Yeah. Anyway, I know Casey has the best story of all of us. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> um, I haven't seen a movie, but I did go see a bunch of 90s <laughs> bands last night. <laughs> By and the way, I was showing all kinds of people the the, the coming attractions that you sent. Because <laughs> I was just like, this is a diverse... And everyone had the same reaction to the very first image. It was like, I want to go check out micro wrestling. Yeah. It's almost sold out. <laughs> I, I swear to you, no it is almost sold out. No doubt in my mind. Just... I, no, it, and it's it's I don't it, there's not a like it is entirely a curiosity thing at this point. Like, I want to know what this is. Is this what I think it is? Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm just like how like because one of them looks like he's like dressed up to look like the Undertaker. So like I'm wondering like what's going on with they're 100 percent into it and like everyone they're like we know what the gag is. <laughs> we're not, but we're gonna sell this thing 120 percent. 
I mean, That's, wrestling would do well, does well when they come to Pikeville in the first mm-hmm. place. Right. So you add a, a kitsch to it or a gimmick. Yeah. Oh, it's going to go well. That's the thing. Like, it's the gimmick is like, I'm just very curious. I just want, <laughs> I'd like to know more. Right. And you wouldn't go watch a WCW NWO Monday Night Raw at a, at a, at the local establishment. Uh, probably not. But you would be interested in this. Yeah. Brings in a whole new crowd. If, if this was like, you know, late 90s, early 2000s, and it was like a WWE, WCW, and w, you know, kind of thing. Yep. Yeah, there's a decent chance that I might try to at least go watch it. Although, I have to imagine it would be very loud and young me would not enjoy that. So, <laughs> anyway. So, uh, you know, bands last night, Color Me Bad, all f- uh Ooh. All for one uh-huh. um, was there. Uh, let's yeah. see. Feeling it. Tone Loke. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. So all these like hip hop Medina. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and so. Did he do the get... Ace Ventura? I don't know. What's the Ace Ventura? Tone Loke did the Ace Ventura thing, didn't he? Or am I, I completely out? Because he has the crazy voice, right? Yeah. He's like really low pitch. Yeah, okay. He did a whole for the, I think, first, because he's in the first Ace Ventura movie, and he did like a credits rap for it. That's funny. So um, the headliner was Vanilla Ice. And so I discovered last night that the actual venue that I usually go to doesn't just sell Budweiser, Bud Light, and that's it. On events that aren't like Disney on Ice, they sell shots. So, oh no, I got wasty pants while watching <laughs> these people and then had to go to the brewery to sober up. Mm-hmm. Weird statement. Since, yeah, since it's right across the road, I went over there and like basically just sat around while I, I got sober to drive and then uh, was good to go. <laughs> you went but, over there uh, and got a, got a burger and yeah, yeah, water, drank a bunch of water and you know, I'm like, uh, hey, yeah, ignore that your boss is here wasted, just, just we'll go better day. <laughs> so, uh, so obviously, Ice Ice Baby gets played. It does. How many but, times? Well, but there's, there's. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Chris. Oh, just, how many times did he do it? Um, I just recall one. Okay. The like the, the closing thing, but I I have to assume of of the two notable Vanilla Ice songs that anyone would know, the other one had to be because I had to ask immediately. Like, did did he do the the TMNT two thing? Did you start hearing "Go Ninja, Go Ninja, Go"? Yep, exactly, <laughs> exactly like that. Uh, second song he did. Oh my god! <laughs> Which brought out uh, a life size Michelangelo actor wearing. Obviously, he sent us the picture or a whole gif of it, and I'm just like, that's not just like a cheap costume. No. That is no. like it looks almost like the screen actor. It's like movie one. quality. Yeah. Like a Jim Henson animatronic headpiece with a <laughs> So the guy doing like all kinds of like oh yeah, like club moves, but also a few like little I don't know, kick ups and things like that. So, you know, he he wasn't like a true martial artist doing all these things, but it was, you know, he was kind of doing just like this cool little, Let, let's little not imitation. Let's not stretch it too far. It was just a stage hand. <laughs> Bro, they, they draw was, straws for who's going to put it on. 
<laughs> yeah, that guy was like uh, the one that was moving in speakers earlier the day, <laughs> so he was no, a little sore. There's a di- there's a different uh, different set of muscle groups for for loading than there is for uh, doing kip ups. I guarantee you, no stage hand is doing a kip up. <laughs> <laughs> so show ends. I go back over to the brewery, sober up a little bit, and you know I don't stay until we close, but I stay long enough to where I'm like good to go. Um, which also is about the same amount of time that Vanilla Ice needed to be ready to go back to the hotel after the show. Um, I'm sure there's some level of of like, oh, we wait for the crowd to leave. We wait. Mm-hmm. This is enough time for everybody to go. Now we can go. Like, so in front of the brewery, there's a one way street that passes mm-hmm. in front of it, and and the exposition center as well, and that's the entrance and exit to the backstage. So I was walking out to the car. And a car pulls out of the expo center and like many crazy drunk people do, they started driving the wrong way up the street. So I throw my arms up like, what the heck are you doing? Like that whole like you're driving and you want the person in front of you to know how much you think an idiot they are. Uh So I gave that that expression. And then while my arms are up like that, I look over and it's vanilla ice in the passenger seat driving by. I'm like... Well, I guess he's not from around here. Yeah. <laughs> and so they were driving back to the hotel and sure enough, I like pass I go out the right way and drive and there his his car's in the hotel. I'm like, okay, I guess so. Yeah. So hmm. what which ho- I gotta know which hotel. Let let, hmm. let me guess. They went and stayed at the mark, didn't they? <laughs> oh, oh my goodness, could you imagine? Oh, <laughs> uh, he would have a rap about that. Um no, it was, uh, of course, the Holiday Inn, the only one. Or, okay. no, sorry, not Holiday Inn, uh, Hampton uh, Inn. Uh, yeah. yeah. Holiday Inn's better than that Hampton Inn. Oh, God. <laughs> I don't... One of the few that we've got left in Pikeville now. Because the only decent one, they're like, no, let's sell that to the college. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, this is the same hotel that's also attached to the um, the old Hilton Garden Inn that the college used to work for bought. Yeah. So it was kind of an odd odd little They just little little, You can be... In that hotel, because that's where we stay when we come there, you're walking down the hallway in the hotel, and suddenly you just hit a cinder block wall. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, left, right, there's a pool, brick wall. And it's like, ah. <laughs> <sighs> it's, yeah, interesting uh, Friday night. <laughs> so, the, yeah. okay, your your experience, the image reminded me, uh, and we may need to talk more about like just all the things that are happening with it, but there's two new movie trailers well, oh, te- yeah. technically three, but one of the three new movie trailers that actually have me like unreasonably excited is the new uh, Ninja Turtle movie. Mm. The art uh, on that looks so sick. They they took a massive page from Into the Spider Verse. Spider Verse, yeah, and they needed to. It looks great. Oh my gosh! And the other huge thing, the major plus they did is they actually made them act like teenagers. And sound <laughs> like teenagers. They're like actual just teens. They're not like, oh, these are, you know, mid-20s trying to pretend to be teens. <laughs> it's like, no, these are just goofy-ass kids. <laughs> not just stoners. <laughs> they're, they're, yeah. Yeah. They, they are actually just like goofy kids doing goofy kid things. So the, it's, between uh, that movie... On it, I said, I did, I, from that trailer, I was like, I don't... <laughs> I have a lot of a lot of feelings about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So it's one of those like, mm, okay, we're going more Saturday morning cartoon than we're going original comics where they're just straight up murdering people. Yeah. Gotcha. All right. Just yeah, it's still a family my, friendly Calibrating movie. the vibe. Yeah. Well, Seth Rogen's doing it, so. That doesn't, Is that like wheezing the juice? 
yeah. So that obviously ac- across the Spider Verse trailer, great. All the stuff about that, and then surprisingly, especially after seeing the breakdown videos, the Barbie movie. I am. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> actually if unreasonably excited. If you have seen the trailer for the Barbie movie, it's I saw so it's funny. out. I haven't watched it yet. Go, you have to watch Although it. I did see someone, and I, I, don't, I, I have to imagine it's not the music that's playing, but someone had a picture up of uh, Barbie driving down the road and they had Dragula lyrics. <laughs> I saw that and, too. That is not what she's listening to. Yeah. But I saw that, I was like, I know that's not there, but man, if they had that in the movie, I'd be like, yeah, all right, come on, Barbie. Let's take a different different feel here. Barbie's it's, deep down is, is, is big in the rub zombie. It's not what you think Ooh. it's going to be at all. They're like, it's the Barbie movie, and they're doing it completely in the vein of like... They, uh, they uh, just are leaning into the... I saw the comparison uh, of the Lego movie, because I guess it's me, one of the guys from the Lego movie. Which makes is sense, which is also it. funny, because Will, uh, Will Ferrell is still like, essentially the same character. <laughs> yeah, he's the CEO of Hasbro. Or no, Mattel. Mattel, Mattel. 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 Mm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it... All the Kens end up fighting on a beach. <laughs> and, and they kept talking about off. having a beach off. <laughs> and they're like, I'm going to beat you off. I'm going to beat you off. Oh, my goodness. And then Michael, so good. then Michael Sarah is like suddenly in the background <laughs> with way too much makeup on, just like giving everyone weird looks. And you're just like, did I do LSD? But like, <laughs> what is going on? Like Ryan Gosling as Ken is perfection because Ryan Gosling's awesome anyway. And then, there, and then is, Simu Liu uh, Shangji is is the other, another Ken, and he's the one who, like really like threatening Ryan Gosling's. It's just it's so good. And then one of the Barbies is clearly the Barbie that's been drawn all over and had her hair yes, burned the off. Barbie. And <laughs> it's fantastic. It's um Kate McKinnon. She, she, yeah. I, was, I was gonna say, does she look like uh, um? <laughs> Uh, Cynthia Angelica's yes. doll from the yes. Rugrats, where yes. it's like she's like combed the hair out of the thing. <laughs> yeah. That took me years to catch that joke. By the way, <laughs> I was like a grown ass person <laughs> watching it, uh, catching an old episode of Rugrats on, and I was like, "Oh, I get it. Angelica has just combed hair out of the doll. That's not how the doll is supposed to look." Yeah, that so makes a lot more sense now. It's child more... to me, which is like this is a weird toy they've given this girl. <laughs> It's more troubling when you realize, oh, it's because her mother has ignored her her entire existence, and she takes it out as this neurosis of combing Cynthia's hair, and it's gotten to the point that she's combed Cynthia's hair out. <sighs> Just a dark Rugrats twist you may have overlooked. Yeah. But anyway, yes, those trailers and movies and everything's just a lot of the good things happening with that. All right. We've got a very long episode we need to get to. Yeah, and we're, uh, yep. <laughs> we're, we're just talking about ourselves. Blah, 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 blah. Hopefully that sounder's ready. Sparkling Muscatel, one of the finest wines of Idaho. Uh, would you taste it for us, please? I mean... <sighs> Excellent choice. Should be for 95 cents. Ooh. Wrong one, but I'll take it. I just, I just yeah. realized it was wrong, like halfway in, and I was like, "We're we're here." I was just like, yeah, "Well, she played it this time, so I'm just gonna go with it." Yeah, this is what we're doing now. Uh, yeah, I had an idea for a sounder for this, and I was like, eh, "It's too late." Think about it as soon as the opening credit music hits. I was like, could have gone. We could have gone with uh, some Beach Boys. Yeah, that would have been the perfect transition from the Barbie thing. <laughs> it would have been, uh, but. Uh, Let's just go ahead and dive on in, because otherwise we're just going to keep rambling. Mm-hmm. And I, I cannot keep drinking straight rum. Uh, 
That's where we're at on many fronts right now. (laughs) (laughs) Sums up many lives. Uh, It's important to note that while uh, some of the best-selling rums in the U.S. may be spiced or flavored, there are many other varieties uh, out there which are more classic examples of the drink, which have, it's not to say that has a monoculture of flavor. Uh, Rum is a complex liquor that can be extensively changed with minor variances in ingredients and processes that uh, and is referred to as a most, the most diverse spirit in the world. Uh, See Mama Juana? Sure. Uh, oh, pardon. Uh, the, four, the four treatments that we will examine today will be the uh, base sugars used, the distillation, and aging in uh, final treatments. Uh, first, the sugar source. First and uh, uh, first and one of the most influential variances in making rum is what the sugar source started as. In its simplest form, rum is nothing more than sugar combined with water and yeast and then fermented and distilled. By adding uh, sh- the sugar source used, the flavor of the final product will vary significantly. The classic source uh, is molasses. It slowly explodes and absorbs... <laughs> The city of Boston. <laughs> uh, a byproduct of sugar production from sugarcane. Uh, <laughs> I, there, there are so many things that are like this where I'm just like, yeah, look, a lot of things we have is because we looked as like, oh, we have waste. Just use every part of the buffalo, guys. <laughs> yeah, It's more of a how do we make this not a waste product and make it a product of its own? How do we right. make more money from this? Every part of the buffalo. <laughs> The modern NBA term is value added. (laughs) Uh, In the early days of sugar production in the Caribbean, uh, this byproduct was dumped or given to slaves and cattle for cheap calories until it was discovered it could be fermented. (laughs) So, about right. Through most. Sorry, cows, you've had it too good for too long. It's like most of history is aristocracy had this waste or you know sub product. They were just like, oh, the slaves and. The underlings can have this. And then they actually tried it and like, shit's actually delicious. <laughs> Lobster. Yeah, I was going to say that. Legs. We will not eat this bottom feeding uh, 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 crustacean. Oysters. And followed by someone got brisket, like mm. all these great things that were just like, before the brisket. <laughs> what we've learned is poor people know how to cook. Yeah. Yeah. Well, some do. We don't. (laughs) Not in this house. Well, uh, rum uh, made from molasses, uh, rums that are made from molasses are sweeter in flavor and have a more vanilla-like aroma in their profile. The origin of molasses molasses really isn't important uh, when making rum of of this type, uh, but with this type of sugar, uh, has very little of the original terroir from the country of origin. It's not expecting to get into terroir. In not, a discussion about rum. Yeah, not with rum. <laughs> I mean, rum already is just like when you, by the time you have a rum barrel, like like that thing has gone through at least a thousand different. Uh, <laughs> Who was it that brought that up? They're like, look, rum barrels are like duct taped together at that point. That's <laughs> like we're it's, they're they are there because they are cheap and readily available, not because hopes and dreams are holding those things together. <laughs> uh. 
Anyway, the uh, this is leading to a large amount of international trade of molasses for rum production. Uh, when looking at rums uh, with the flavor of the country shining through, looking uh, looking towards fresh sugarcane rums, uh, these rums use fresh juice of the sugarcane plant instead of molasses. These rums are common in Martinique with the Agricole rums and Brazil's Cachaça. I feel like one of these C's actually needs that little uh, uh, symbol at the bottom, but I don't it know does, how to. And it's not on my keyboard. Right. I was going to say, I don't know how to put it there. Uh, uh, that's when I uh, do a Google search somewhere, find it, print it that way, and then just copy paste it so the, the so thing shows up. Just use the that's character a... map. What's that, Brittany? We don't know how to use the character map, is what's. All right. I know it's in there. I can go in there and try and find it, but it is. Too much work to try to get in there and find like the thing. If I'm going to have to use it a thousand times, it's a lot easier for me just to do a Control F and then just Control Paste. I mean, you know, just paste it in. Okay. Uh, a less processed product. Uh, these rums take on the character uh, driven by the climate of the region in which they are produced. Ah, yes, the Great Alaskan rums. <laughs> uh, these uh, may be influenced by weather, soil quality, uh, and climate, as well as the amount of rainfall received in the season. These rums can be a bit more funky, ranging in flavors from overripe banana to gasoline, oh, God. Uh, just based on growing Yum. conditions. Mm. Mm. What, what kind of cocktail needs to taste like gasoline? Um, I could think of a few that probably could. So, Actually, no. I... I'm coming up with a um, um, ah, a Mad Max one in my head. It's See, I'm thinking of just, uh, just regular. I'm just thinking of like 151, <laughs> uh, which which I would use to to uh, when we when I had that when I was bartending and someone complained that their drink wasn't strong enough. I just pour that straight down their straw. Mm-hmm. There you go. Wow. Yeah, like, oh yeah, yeah, that guy the kick it needed. Yeah, I'm sure it did. So yeah. Now you made it strong. He's like, glad you liked it. What it we've learned good. is if you're with Bob at work, <laughs> he's going to to tell you he's doing something and really not. Yes. Between yes. The, the rum incident and the, hey, I'm adjusting your levels on stage and you really aren't. Yes. That's what we learned. Yeah. No, that – look, theater is like <laughs> – the people who are doing their job know what they're talking about and the public do not. <laughs> Mm. That is that is that is ingrained in my brain at this point. <sighs> the customer is always wrong. You just exactly. have to make them think that they were catered to. Unless you're the Ron Swanson in the Lowe's, where he's like, "Sir, I know more than you." <laughs> well, that's that's us in a liquor store. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's the one instance where you're like, <laughs> can I help? Mm. How many times has someone walked up to you and said, "Hey, can I help you in a liquor store?" And you just walk by. I know more than you, and you just keep walking. <laughs> that's why I don't go to Jungle Gyms anymore. Is because either I get stopped or I'm compelled to assist people yes. in the liquor department because they are not being helped adequately enough. And someone needs to help these poor lost souls who are, Scott- wander- who are wandering around an international market store asking every employee if they stock Dark Lord because they heard oh. they could get three Floyds there. and that's, uh, uh, Basically, we just hang out in that aisle. <laughs> and wait, I, uh, because every five minutes someone's going to come down there looking for it it's me and the uh scotch section at a at a liquor store and they they've you know i hear the customer i hear the employee go uh yeah i really don't 
don't really know much about this. Our guy is not in today that really handles our, our, our whiskeys. Um, I think Johnny Walker should probably be pretty smoky. And I just walk over and go, excuse me, let me take you to the Islas. <laughs> We're going to go follow me on a journey. Uh, tangent uh, side. <laughs> a bit a bit of me kind of died. Uh, one of the ways I survived uh, COVID and the lockdowns was like making dream vacations. Mm-hmm. And one of them was going to uh, Scarabray in the Orkney Islands, north of Scotland. And saw one of uh, my old cohorts from, um, uh, I, don't, I don't remember exactly which one. It was from uh, when I was in Northern California. Uh, one of the people I was stationed in the forest with. And uh, he is currently in uh, the Orkneys and was posting all these great, awesome pictures. And I was just like, ah, oh, damn it, bastard. Stole my vacation. <laughs> well. Let's get back to back to the topic. Uh, the last and slightly more complex category is the Jamaican Dunder Pit process. That sounds <laughs> it's a pretty Star Warsy sounding thing. <laughs> oh no, I'm I'm picturing uh, I'm picturing a distiller up above a large hole in the ground, <laughs> handing down a, a, a basket down to, to someone down at the bottom, going, "It puts the rum in the basket." <laughs> uh. While Jamaican rum still uses molasses, they create a pit in the ground lined with wood called the Dunder Pit. Uh, <laughs> Dunder Pit. Two rums enter. One rum leaves. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Where the rum is left to ferment over months instead of days. They develop a funky flavors from the bacteria in addition to the yeast. These pits uh, get also get added back to them uh the leftovers from the previous rum rum runs and uh, on the still, as well as various fruit peels and rotting bananas. Mm, so rotting in, my, bananas. in my head, I know they're in their own separate vessels for this process, but in my head, I'm just seeing them dump it into a dirty hole in the ground. I, I, yeah, I think that's, I think that's actually it. That's it. Yeah. So let me see if I can find an image of them, but um it's it's not like fancy at all. It's like no, you dig a hole. Like they're dumping the the liquid just into dirt. <laughs> we're gonna go like get a shovel. Head. It's and it's a hole in the ground lined with wood. Yeah, we're gonna get some. We're gonna get some wood. There's plenty of it lying around now from all the felled trees from a bad windstorm a few months back. <laughs> and I, we're just gonna go dig a pit. I'm just gonna start pouring pouring molasses in there, and we'll see what we get. Yep, that's right. that's pretty much it. I'm looking at one right now. Uh, isn't well, that this what, one is that what this we one, did? Uh, this one is literally just like covered over with grass because it's out of use. But um, the other one is they've got some bricks lining the outside of it, and but otherwise it's a pretty dirty, nasty looking pit. I'll see if I can um, send the image over. It's kind of foamy. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Oh, frogs are mating in it. You know. <laughs> this article calls it muck. Oh. Uh-huh. So who's really wanting this now? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. This yeah, yeah. this makes for great uh well this process is slightly similar to the sour mass mash process used in the bourbon industry. Yeah, I say the top image on here, I'm like, oh, those look pretty familiar. Yeah. Yeah, and like so where the current bourbon industry will big build like Oh, this is a three-story tower fermenter that's open top okay. made of wood. These, they just bury them. 
Yeah, so, okay, looking at this, uh, this is basically what uh, they were doing at OFC, only, you know, that was complete copper. Mm. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, rums made this way are typically not sold unblended, as the flavors would be too strong. You'd get all that rotted banana in there. Uh, They're instead... Right. I mean, whenever we hear about some weird thing like this, I was like, I want to try it. I don't know if it's going to be good, but I want to try it. You want the spit fermented beer. Uh, not that one. <laughs> God. Oh, have a good show, guys. <laughs> he, he, he wants the one that uh, has Calgione's spit. Chicha. The chicha, Ugh. yeah. God. I quit. <laughs> I'm not doing any more episodes. I'm not even going to read anymore. I'm just going to sit here. It was a matter of time. And stew like that spit. Oh, God. I hate you. I hate you so much. You know, next time we're we're out of, like, enzyme and I need a really dry beer, I'll just oh, chew God. up some corn. <laughs> oh. oh, God. Can Ugh. we please not? Anyway, much like other spirits, rum doesn't specify that the still type must be used to produce the rum. Therefore, rums can be uh, also be influenced by the style of still used uh, to distill the product. As we get into some distillation methods, uh, the oldest method uh, is the pot still, uh, where rums are distilled one or more times using a simple pot still method. This is also called batch distillation, as each batch must uh, be distilled then the leftover dunder is removed and a fresh batch of rum, uh, rum wine, rum, rum wine. You know, I could get down with some rum wine. <laughs> right. I mean, I, that one, I'm like, yeah, all right. Speaking my language that, right there. Give me that rum wine. Uh, yeah. Uh, the, the rum wine will be added to the still. There are superstitions and romances surrounding the shapes of these stills and the flavors they produce. It's actually somewhat true. It's a general shape will determine how the final product turns out. Uh, most of the sh- difference is how the vapors behave in the still at the rate the distillate is produced. This is where we get into the the uh, no no you got to bang in all the same yeah that's the that's the like yeah the general shape does but probably not that small dent unless it, I mean if if it's in a really nice place it might just yeah it kind of collects in spots but anyway after two passes of the pot still the distillate comes in around seventy percent ABV and can be considered rum. Uh, some distillers, however, will run the rum more times in order to create a more neutral rum flavor. Uh, take it out of flavor country. Uh, most of the pot still rums available uh, will be a higher higher in price and a little harder to find, as they are typically more boutique producers. Uh, the plantation brand produces uh, a few pot still rums, uh, but it's important to look at the at the specs because they're not all of plantations rums are pot still made. Uh, this process is the oldest and historical version, but it's very inefficient, leading to many commercial distillers uh, to use the next distillation method, the column or continuous method. Uh, yeah, the column still was created in the Industrial Revolution of the 1800s, uh, and the column still is allowed still allows rum producers to create. Uh, m- the column still allowed the rum producers to make much more rum than before, when the pot still producers were limited to about. 20k liters or less in a year just because of the logistics of the pot still turnover rates yeah it's i gotta say from doing uh bourbon distillery tours it's 
Honestly, I'm gonna, I'm sure I'll be proven wrong. But I'm going to say it's kind of a thing of quality when you look at whiskeys and who's using pot stills and who's using Colin stills. And I promise you, most of the time, from ones I've seen, the better reviewed and more sought after brands use pot stills. I mean, there's also, I think pot stills are pretty common with, uh, I believe, Irish whiskeys. Um, or maybe oh, I, pot still I think Ireland it's been, was a, it's been a year yeah because it's been it's been a few years since we've done this I might have a back the coffee the coffee still came from Ireland originally I thought it came from Scotland was but... it Scotland oh well either way there's an episode on it you can check out yeah where we, we go into the whole difference but one is definitely more more industry industry friendly and one is more craft beverage yes. friendly if you will yeah so it's kind of that uh i want to say the difference between the uh bourbon trail and the isn't there like a craft bourbon trail now mm. like there's two different ones yeah i think so either way mm. columns uh column stills are going to be a little less characteristic than pot still rums uh while they are more efficient they and certainly make uh they are now are certainly faster the amount of flavor that comes out of the original sugar is reduced these rums are more closely related to vodka than pot still rums because of the efficiency in getting out alcohol out of the wash. Many of the cheaper mass-produced rums will be from this category, including uh, Don Q, Cruzeran, uh, and the international rum Havana Club. Ah, oh, Havana Club. That's a whole other story in itself that we need mm-hmm. to get into about the Havana Club rums. We've brought that uh, up before, haven't we? And the name, yeah, like I think when we were, or at least when we were talking about making these rest these episodes, we were talking about Bacardi. Yeah, yeah. Yes. That's what, so that a funny thing, another aside, and kind of a look behind the curtain. We usually get lost in like two hour conversations, just trying to plan episodes when we start entertaining ourselves with little historical tidbits <laughs> and things that we already know. Yeah. <laughs> And that's when we stop after an hour. We're like, that would make a good episode. <laughs> now that we've written it. Yeah. <laughs> Did anybody record that? Yeah, it's like, nope. oh, we just gave it the whole thing a test run. So let's <laughs> script that out and put some jokes in and we're good to go. So the, <sighs> the column still process is not all bad because the lack of character coming from column still rums, uh, they're excellent for making sp- Spiced rums and flavored rums, which will receive their flavor from added ingredients rather than the original spirit. Mahoy. <laughs> Mahoy there, Justin. Mahoy, uh, Chris. Call them still. They even do that joke anymore. I haven't watched Great Night in a while. Uh, they don't. They don't often hit into the the, the captain jokes much. Okay. So. Uh, column still rums are also great to use as a blending agent, which brings us to our third category, blended rums. And we have a fabled one here that I refuse to drink. Because <laughs> <laughs> we call it the have a drink blended rum. There's a single bottle of it remaining. Oh. No. Oh, do you have some more? It is not blended. Oh, it's not. No, and I can explain after this section why it is not blended. It's our bastardization where we just poured a whole bunch of different rums in oh, a barrel. Okay. 
maybe that was the case. Casey's <laughs> like, never mind. I remembered it a little bit differently. <laughs> we look, I have a, so, you were drunk another time. story time. I'm good at doing these, aren't I? I mean, not good at it. I'm just bad for doing it. So, um, on our first anniversary, we went back to Buffalo Trace where we got married, and I bought a little, uh, they used to sell little, um, uh, little oak barrels, charred barrels that had never they been used. used. And they used was, to sell uh, much larger barrels too, but uh, that had been used. But those became a boutique item. Anyway, um, they figured out they could get a lot more than eighty bucks for them. Is what I'm getting at. Um, so we bought this little, never been used, fresh white oak char, fresh charred barrel. I think it held like two liters. And it was like, because the whole thing was like, make your own bourbon at home. And I was like, cool. And I brought it home and it sat for a couple of years and we never did anything with it. And then we were over at Casey's and it was like, why don't we just make our own blended rum? And we just poured like whatever <laughs> rums and liquor that was sitting around into this thing and then let it sit. So I remembered it as, did we give those to a... a fine person who may have taken those and redistilled them no it was just straight in it just came i think you you may have whipped something else up that we poured in it you mean that other kind gentleman yes Mm. okay someone supplied something else that went in it and then all i know is it was atrocious (laughs) um yes uh yes okay that is a blended rum yes Okay, so yeah. When there are multiple um, column and pot still liquors combined together. Okay. We made a legit blended. Okay. A blended rum. We have a Maker's Mark bottle full that could be poured into smaller (laughs) bottles if anyone... No, no, I'm I'm kidding. You don't want this. It could probably fuel jets. (laughs) Anyway. Jet's pizza would fuel me right now. Blended rums uh, take a combination of pot still rums with stronger flavors and aromas, then combine them with neutral column still rums to create a product which has both flavor and is cheaper to produce. Yeah, that's pretty much what we made. Uh, Common examples of these rums include Appleton, Mount Gay, uh, Pussers, and Main Plantation brands. Okay. Basically, everything I was like, oh, these these are the best... Rums you can get, and now it's like, eh. <laughs> I'm like, oh, well. Uh, these rums are going to be where most rum explorers will find their first rums to enjoy. Neat it's a little rums cocktails. in one sentence. Yeah, it is. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, uh, let rum flavor shine through. <laughs> yeah, this is where most people, like, start their rum journey. And yeah. I... I they're not bad. They're great rums to like enjoy for flavor, but also to mix in a drink. Mm. Like it's that sort of separation. And, you know, we'll get into the next, you'll, you'll talk about the next part here in a second, but aging has a lot of effect on it too. So it, it depends on where you're looking for that flavor to come from, whether you're wanting it for, to come from the, the actual flavor of the distillate, or are you looking for it to, to shine through from, from things that you're, you're doing to it after it's distilled. That's kind of the, the difference there. I did, this is why this, this show is better than live news. Um, I did some research on some various distilleries on, while 
a bourbon while we were talking here. And even most distilleries that are commercial, like you're going to find these products on your local liquor store shelf. I'm not talking about like you go to the distillery and that's the only bottle you can buy. These are the ones that will be producing like large amounts. Um, you can find it across the country. They're going to use it, even in the situations where they say they're using a pot still, they will use some level of column still in that distillation as well. And I looked at the one that I thought would be most notable for this, which is Woodford Reserve that talks so much about their three pot stills. Oh, yeah. They're a blender. Yep. They do column still and blend it with the pot still. Oh, you you walk right past the column still. Yeah. So, it's in the same room. Like, there's no... <laughs> the, they, they have them framed with, like, a big... There's, like, a... Um, stone fire boiler in there and like all the like Mm. because it is a very historic you know site and then right there with it's the column still it's like well yeah the the three pot stills are it's like a massive photo opportunity and then they even walk you over to the column still if if they're currently running when we were there they were currently running Uh, a batch through and they're like oh you can come over here and you can actually see it going and i was just like okay (laughs) yep so that's like I I don't know if like the general public may not know that they're mutually exclusive possibly maybe that's the case be like they think that the pot still is part of the process but they're all or they don't even care to potentially um, but the uh, in order to make enough you gotta blend it otherwise you're having to charge a lot more for it. Well, with uh, that beautiful intro, aging has a large impact on the final rum product. Many countries require rum to be aged for at least one year. Ah, yes. When your spirit's aged a year. (laughs) This aging is commonly preferred uh, in used bourbon casks, but may also be performed in other types of wooden casks or stainless steel tanks. The aging process determines the color of the rum. When aged in oak casks, it becomes dark whereas rum aged in stainless steel tanks remains virtually colorless. Who'd have thunk it? <laughs> that stainless steel has a real color. But it imparts. <laughs> adds a they real, even char it. Adds a real medicinal... <laughs> <laughs> tussin? Yeah, tussin flavor. Uh, due to the tropical climate common to most rum-producing areas, rum matures at a much higher rate than is typical for whiskey or brandy, an indication of this higher rate is the angel's share or the amount of product lost to evaporation. While products aged in France or Scotland see about 2% loss each year, tropical rum producers may see as much as 10%. Oh, God. Oh. Yeah, that's when it's like, yeah, one one year is basically all, all a company can stomach for loss. Wow. I didn't realize it was that high. Uh, after aging, rum is normally blended to ensure a consistent flavor, the final step, and the rum-making process. That's the final in most things. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, there's not... I mean, they are quite tasty, but I very much understand why uh, <laughs> most bourbons and whiskeys are blended. It's Yeah, for consistency. Uh, during blending, light rums may be filtered to remove any color gained during aging. For dark rums, caramel may be added for color. And added just about all. <laughs> so you talk there about the amount of time that the tropical rums will see. 
there's this crazy thing in the rum rum world where the name on the it can say this is a Jamaican rum, right? And so, really, to be a Jamaican rum, it has to be distilled in, in Jamaica, but it doesn't have to be aged its entire time in Jamaica. It could be in Bahama. So, <laughs> come on, pretty mama. Mm-hmm. Um, Key Largo, Montego. We could go. But that rum will spend a couple years in Jamaica in the barrel, be put on a on a boat, shipped up to another country that's north of it, age a few more years, and they can put a an age statement on that even later or longer than what it is. It could go, you know, this is a five-year rum, but it only spends two of those years in Jamaica and still be called a Jamaican rum. Is this a uh, Jefferson's... <laughs> kind of situation where well it's spent a few months around the island of jamaica so we can label it jamaican right i thought you were talking about the sitcom i thought you're talking about sherman hensley and i was like wait are we talking about like the 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 rum's moving on up i don't wait where are we going i mean yeah it was moving on Oh, I, I, I got you chris i knew where you're going with that one i also in that same moment had a thought I wonder what the tax implications would be as it's being shipped. And is it cheaper? Because Kentucky just changed the tax law. But is it cheaper to say, okay, let's distill it here, age a year here, pay the taxes on it as if it's here for a year, put it on a boat for seven more years, and not have to pay those yearly taxes to the federal government for aging while it's on the boat in the middle of the ocean, just running back and forth? I mean, the upkeep on the boat has got to be crazy. I have some uh, legal tax advice for you, Casey. (laughs) Uh, take to the seas. Take to the seas. Arr. They can't tax you there. This is not legal advice. Please consider consult <laughs> your CPA. Uh, in general, you can. There separate- ain't no law like naval law. <laughs> uh, the admiral's share. All right. In general, you can separate rum into three categories: lightly aged for one to four years, aged for four to fourteen years, and long aged. For 15 plus years. I've never had a long aged rum and I am now curious. While these categories are in no way standardized across international borders or by each producer, they are generally a good way to determine what kind of age aging profile a rum may have. All right. Hmm. Lightly hmm. aged rums may have a light wood character, but some of these are even charcoal filtered post aging to reduce color and flavor. Remember that that most rums have to be aged at least a year. If you want a rum that doesn't have the the wood character, but you still legally have to to age the year, maybe you're thinking of it as a uh, a bad byproduct, and you're just getting it out of there by charcoal filtering it. I was uh, I had uh, one of my other rum options that I was considering drinking today uh, is uh, uh, is a white rum uh, that is a three oh, yeah. three year rum. Uh, and it is charcoal filtered. Hmm. Yep. So, so that's like, going to be what? It look. This is honestly. This works real well in a lot of in a lot of cocktail mixing. I'll say so, that. Okay. Talk talk about that rum real quick. I know it's not the one you're drinking, but I want you uh, like just just say the name of it real quick. Uh, it's uh, El Dorado. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. For a minute there, it looked like a different a different rum, but um, El Dorado. It does still have a little bit of like a. a uh, vanilla flavor kind of in there uh but yep but most of it is like honestly 
it, I can't remember how much this costs, but I'm going to be kind of like, eh, this This would work for a pretty good, like, better quality uh, cocktail than, like, say, your Bacardi. Yeah, and if you're looking to make a daiquiri, that drink looks better when it's light in color and not kind of muddy looking. So you may I mean, want the flavor without the color. I mean, also, daiquiri sometimes just look like fruit, pur- uh, fruit pur- puree. <laughs> Yeah, that's the wrong kind. <laughs> I look. I agree. We'll no, no, no drink should really just be a frozen collection of fruit juice. But well, and you should, and you shouldn't put uh, uh, scotch in your daiquiris. But good oh, lord, I had to do it one day. Hey, aged rums start to take on a noticeable oak or wood character. Now we're getting to flavor country. Spice, vanilla, leather, and the woody notes start to come through. Mm. So we're, we're getting there. And now we arrive at flavor. <laughs> they say that and I'll go like, yeah, these are the things I like because it's also kind of like bourbon. <laughs> these are a few these of my favorite things. <laughs> Long, we just need to rewrite that song for like bourbon. <laughs> or no, isn't that basically the uh, fish odor song from that one episode, the musical episode of Bob's Burgers? He sings... <laughs> He sings a whole song about, about bourbon. It's fantastic if you've not seen that episode. I don't think I've seen it, yeah. Because uh, Fish Odor, their landlord, is... Uh, um, ah, crap, what's his name that does the voice? Uh, Kevin Klein. Oh, I think oh, that sounds right. Okay. And he does the voice just as... I don't know, he's took on the role as like a joke. And then he's singing this great song about bourbon. And it's just like, okay, this is, this is fully while I'm here. Okay. Anyway, we arrive at Flavor Country. Long-aged rums, which I, I now have to find, are best enjoyed neat, as these rums are most likely were designed by their producer with that in mind. They have depth of color, flavor, and complexity, and can be more expensive. It is somewhat interesting to note, however, that the rum, cate- rum as a category is quite less expensive than many other brands when looking at price per age. A bottle of Appleton 20-year-old rum is around half the price of a 21-year-old Glenlivet. Yeah. I mean, they don't have the same... Uh, uh, Terroir. No, I was going to say... Um, uh, marketing. marketing behind them. Yeah. It, it doesn't have the same sort of like uh, uh, brand... Uh, uh Yeah. Uh, I was going to say like prestige that they there like to, to, to yeah. put onto it, but... But they make, you know, there's some really good rums. Uh, and I'm certain, like, I would, like, uh, you know, <laughs> I want a 21-year-old bottle of Appleton. If you like the flavor of wood, you're going to get that out of either rum or scotch. So, yeah. Oh, the, the one I have. years old. <laughs> the one I have, the one I have today, you know, spoiler for, it is an Appleton. Uh, and it's, I, as I'm drinking it neat, I'm just like, you know what? This is not that dissimilar for me drinking whiskey. Yeah. I'll look. I'll lick barrel staves. Come on, I think I'm. I'm down for it. I want it so woody. I'm. I'm worried about splinters. Uh, rum is a very affordable beverage. Which you want it so woody that its best friend is Buzz. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that works on too many levels. Uh, <laughs> rum is a very affordable beverage, which has not had the same inflation as other long-aged spirits. Now, now you've just got me wanting some. Uh, it is important to look deeply into the age claims of some rums, however. The Ron Zacapa 
23 brand uh, has faced legal scrutiny in the U.S. with a class action lawsuit filed in 2021. The rum bottle proudly displays a large red number 23 on the label. The rum itself actually contains a blend of rums aged 6 to 23 years. I would assume that uh, that 23 just means that is the, the oldest. oldest in the in the batch. That but is in scotch. It's the youngest in the batch. That's right. It's true. Oh, okay. Yeah. And uh, bourbon I'll, the same way. Yeah. Also, I will say uh, <laughs> when we said deeply into the cake, all all my brain did was go, "How deep is your rum?" <laughs> All right, the lawsuit claims the branding does not match with the product in the bottle, and it uh, takes more research than what should be required in order to determine the actual age. The rum is actually aged in a Solera process where rum is removed from a barrel and fresh rum is added back, meaning the ages are much more muddled eh, than what the label may explain. True, okay. That uh, that takes everything with a huge grain of salt, and that they need to say that on it. Uh, so that's, treatments. That's why, all, that's why all rum barrels also have mint down the bottle, so they're getting muddled. <laughs> treatments. Muddle, 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 muddle. Treatments. You have to remember these barrels are treated awfully. They are <laughs> poorly. That's how are together. the barrels treated? Not well. <laughs> no, it's not. It looks like they could be in the cast of. Uh, 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 train spotting. <laughs> oh God! Oh. Hard to believe Obi Wan came from a horrible part of Glasgow. Look, you too can turn your life around and go from being a, a heroin uh, addict, to heroin a, addict to a, a Jedi, Jedi, Jedi general to a hobo in a desert. <laughs> Back you know, to I mean, heroin like addict. Example. Back to a heroin addict, only not in Scotland. Uh, <laughs> So no treatments. The last major category that influences rum flavor is post-aging treatments. Once a rum is aged, many producers will add additional products back to the product in order to change its flavor profile. One item many producers will add is sugar. Rum producers... It's just called a cocktail. (laughs) Yeah. Rum producers will often add sugar back to the final product in order to balance the flavor. If you are on the keto diet, rum is one spirit category you may want to steer clear of, as this is quite common. Brands like Plantation, which is based on the Cognac region of France, claim this is an homage to their heritage, where sugar is added back to Cognac in a process called dosage. I mean, isn't the process of dosing also one of those things with, like, acid? (laughs) See, now that I know that there's rum wine, saying that they're basing it on cognac makes me go like, oh, okay, sure. Sugar. Mm. Another common treatment is spiced rums. And this is, uh, I can't remember, some YouTube bartender where I, I had this all laid out for me. And I was like, oh, yeah, okay, spiced rums is just a bunch of penis. Yes. Uh, spiced and flavored rums are actually around 53% of the total rum market. Whether it's Morgan? yeah, whether it's spiced rums, coconut, pineapple, or another flavored infusion, there are a variety oh. of levels out there. Uh, when it comes to the handmade qualities of how they are made, many mass product, many mass produced manufacturers will use a neutral rum and flavoring additions to create sweet and fruity liquors. 
Yeah, I no. will say I will say I'll at least grant that uh, uh, spice rum is is rum, where I will not grant you that uh, Malibu mm. uh, <laughs> coconut rum is rum. Yeah, yeah. That's, um, it was uh, actually doing uh, doing research for the Malort episode that I found myself oh. watching those because uh, it was a guy who's I can't remember his name for life. I could find it if I looked, but uh, he was going like he was, did a whole series of, like the worst bottles. On my bar, oh, and yeah, yeah. he was going through. It was Captain Morgan, Malort, and I can't remember the other. It was two spiced rums and Malort. And he was like, "These are like the three worst bottles in his bar." And then in the end, he was like, "No, the Malort is more enjoy- enjoyable than any of the others." And then I can't remember. It was like, was it Kraken? The Kraken and the Malort that he was just like one just tastes like straight cherry cola and the other one is so vanilla that he can't get over it. It's like it's like vanilla perfume. Mm. <laughs> yeah. No, wild turkey. That's what he said was the oh, okay. worst what, yeah. thing. He was like that wild turkey. He's like it's so bad. He's like eighty one or no, just one hundred one, just the regular. Man, like, wild turkey one hundred one has been hitting a resurgence in the bourbon community though. Oh yeah. Hmm. Like they've been really picking up on that one as being like, oh, this is a steel bottle. It's got to be on every every shelf. I'm like, oh, I know, not, not what I thought five years ago. Old Granddad's kind of making a comeback too. I called that one no. Oh yeah, like I was like, Old Granddad's a sleeper hit five years ago. Whenever I started drinking the one fourteen, um, you started stocking first. it before anyone was yes. saying anything about it. Like I had, I bought a few having... cases at the brewery actually a few yeah. years ago. Now we haven't went through it cause we don't go through at the brewery a whole lot of granddad, but, uh, no, we may be out of it almost, but either way, um, I actually, uh, Casey quit trying to calm down after concerts with old granddad. I know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I actually bought a case of, uh, Stop ninja, stop ninja, stop. Old granddad today, not the 114, but the regular. <laughs> wow. Oh, God, old granddad. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so when it comes to spiced rums, you can make your own blend using blended aged rum, vanilla bean, orange peel, allspice, cinnamon, cloves, nutmeg, black pepper, ginger, and demerara sugar. I feel like Brittany, that thing you were all on board for that until they said ginger. <laughs> uh, I wish, I wish I was. I just can't. Uh, I know it's fine. I just like as I was going through, like, oh, these these are flavors that I know most of us enjoy. And I saw ginger. Never mind, Brittany's out. <laughs> but you know what? You can mix and match however you want if you're making your own spice rum. Yeah, it's true. And if ginger is like really buried in there, then I can kind of get over it. Like. I mean, technically, it's in pumpkin pie, but I'm not going to stop eating pumpkin pie, you know? <laughs> well, to be serious. You can. You're not going to miss anything. Your life will be better. Um, so these are, the, these are the classic <laughs> flavors of any spiced rum, and by letting them meld in your own bottle, you can craft a version with the perfect spice level, the good base rum. There are Yay. also <laughs> there are also some producers that use real fruit, to make their own fruit-based rums. Plantations pineapple rum is an excellent example of this. So I just had an idea, which is I want to buy some 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 just cheap, like clear rum and then start adding stuff to my own spices. Uh, to make my own spiced rum. But I was like, you know, I do have this decanter that I, I don't really use. Hmm. Or not a decanter, but like the, the yeah. thing. It's like, I'm sure I can load that thing in with that, just kind of 
Let it mix sit there, it, soak it in. Mix the spices in the original bottle. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, strain it and put it in the decanter. And you can be like, somebody comes over. What's that? Oh, it's my own house spiced rum. It's, it's my ha- Yeah, it's my house spice. <laughs> I, call it, I call it melange. <laughs> it, uh, must it flow? Spice must flow. God. Uh. <laughs> Chris was about a half second faster than me on that one. We both need beaten. Look, <laughs> yeah, we we went up for Dark Lord pickup last year. <laughs> what did we do with the? It's like, oh, you, you two wild guys are are off Sit in back. like the middle of beer heaven in Wisconsin, enjoying all your new Glarus and like basking. It's like, no, we're laying in a hotel room watching Dune. Yeah, <laughs> that's what we're doing. Yeah, because we're nerds. We're big fucking nerds. And Dune is a fun movie. <laughs> Uh, all right. All right. Um, Plantation's Pineapple Rum is a tribute to the character created by Charles Dickens in the Pickwick Papers, Reverend Stiggins, whose favorite drink was pineapple rum. The barks of Victoria pineapples are infused in a blended, lightly aged rum, and then that infusion is redistilled. Separately, the pineapple fruit is infused in the Plantation's dark rum. Both distillate and fruit infusion are the are then blended together, creating a rich and delicious pineapple bouquet, accented by smoky and clove notes, all created with pineapples for the flavor. My God, I want this drink. When they say bark, are they talking about the part of a pineapple I think they're talking about? Mm. The peel, pretty much. Yeah, like that 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 hard outer bit. Yep, the green bits. Well, sometimes it's brown. Because oh it's yeah, golden green, yeah, all, all that. Yeah, but not 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 like the fleshy, meaty bits, but like the that hard. Yeah, you know. When they say the fruit, that's what goes in the dark rum. So they take the same pineapples. The bark mm-hmm. will go in white rum. The fruit goes in dark rum. They will redistill the white rum because at that point it's been aged a year. It gets redistilled. It's still been aged a year technically. Um, but it gets the bark out of it, but they leave the fruit in it. It like still sits on the fruit. So the fruit portion doesn't get redistilled. It just sort of gets like filtered out in the process. That is shockingly like cognac. Yeah. Oh, I want yeah. this so badly because I it, love it, pineapples. Oh, it's delicious. I had it today in a daiquiri. Um, I mean, it's, it's not like, Oh, hit you in the face is a pineapple, but you get the aroma of an entire pineapple. In it. Oh man. Mm. Sorry. I just realized making, uh, uh, um, what are they called? The the pina coladas with no, oh, yeah, yeah, it yeah. can be good. Um, it's subtle, so like I would go classic, like real coconut type of pina colada, yeah, to get that. Um, but yeah, definitely, I, could, I, it could just makes me want to order a pina colada, and instead of being like, I want my mint slapped, be like, I want you to slap me in the face with a slice of pineapple. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just have exactly it floating it. on top like a just, floaty in a pool. Or no. just serve me my drink and then slap me in the face with a slice of pineapple. The, the, prop, the proper way to order the pina colada is you order it and then you go outside in the rain and get caught in the rain. Right. And shoot on your wife with your mm-hmm. wife. And wake up at midnight. <laughs> I Wake up at midnight. Oof. Or All mistress. Right. I don't know. Like, How does that work? <laughs> Based on the song. It was, it was his lady. His lady. His yeah, lady. Yeah. Not even his wife. Could, could, could be a girlfriend. Could be... We just could be a mistress. Um, Look, all I'm saying is that they're both the worst people. Yeah. So the last treatment of note is black rums. 
While this style was probably started to give the appearance of a very long-aged rum without that time in the barrel, today's black rums go beyond just a dark rum into its own category, which is noticeably black. In order to get this color, black molasses is added to the rum, which will darken the color, add in a molasses flavor, and increase its sweetness. I'm just picturing squid ink. Yeah, it's like, whoa. Except molasses has flavor and squid ink really doesn't. (laughs) No, it doesn't. Unless you're chugging it for charity. Unless you're throwing it up in <laughs> the gold in the flakes. Or... Does Kraken include squid ink in theirs? I don't think so. That it would be a huge marketing dark gimmick. Enough. Right? I, I, that's what I'm saying. I'm surprised someone's not doing it to make well, their, like, okay, their, what's their the, extra. Who's milking the squids? Like, a, <laughs> That's kind of an expensive endeavor. Yeah. How much is squid ink versus... I feel like a little dab will do you have a squid ink. So uh, <laughs> let's get into cocktails. <laughs> Speaking of, let's, let's walk past that statement just entirely. Uh, so the Trinity rum not, lime. Not that we know who to ask. Yeah, rum, lime, sugar. These are three of my favorite things. I think um, spectacles, testicles, wallet, watch. <laughs> rum, being ubiquitous across the Caribbean and Central America, has a common theme in the preparation of drinks. Well, so you're gonna say, is this the Caribbean version of guns, germs, and steel? <laughs> mm. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'll see myself <laughs> as you should. Uh, a classic combination is the holy trinity of rum, lime juice, and sugar. This is the primordial recipe of most other cocktails involving rum. Uh, the Cuban daiquiri, Brazilian uh, caprinha, and the Jamaican rum punch have all seen the same ingredient base. The classic ratio is somewhere around two parts white rum, one part simple syrup, and one part lime juice. The balance of the cocktail makes it obvious why it developed independently across so many rum cultures with access to citrus. If you were in a pinch, you could even count a grog in this category as it would typically be rum and citrus juice. (laughs) So uh, we will get to the way we get to blended rum. Yeah, we will get to the way we get to blending of rums and Polynesian cultures and why that happened uh, when it did in America in our next episode for this kind of two-parter. But for today, let's just enjoy a few classic cocktails from Tiki history. So, sorry, when we mentioned the rum punch, I'm, I, was, I became shocked that I can't find online the, like, that someone has not done a, a one-punch one punch man idea for for a rum punch mm. and i'm like i gotta figure out how to make what is it to wear like a single <laughs> single a, a single glass lays your ass out exactly isn't that just the the what the one gallon challenge that's going around right now where they make yeah that? i just discovered that this is a thing that's happening yeah it's, it's, they have like a, there's a uh a, a, i was listening to a podcast and someone was talking about it. i'm just like they're doing what yeah, when you hear it laid out, you're like, what are they doing? And you hear it, and you're like, oh, God. Well, because uh, people are dumb. Uh, yeah, so one key thing to notice is the complexity of tiki drinks. Most bars will not carry the expanse of various mixers and liquors needed to have a complete tiki menu. This is a major aspect that separates tiki bars from the rest. It's also why many bars have bastardized the classic tiki drink if you have only experienced a Mai Tai in a bar and in a bar and grill type establishment, you have likely missed out on the complexity this drink and others like it can bring. Oh, I need yeah. the tiki room music. God, just still kill. Anytime you say, you know. tiki, 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 tiki. 
Yeah, I was going to say, having been in that kind of restaurant serving people, you know, Mai Tais, it's like, yeah, no, I just made a mix of the start of day with like pineapple juice, you know, sour mix and uh, uh, orange juice and just said, there you go. That plus some rum and... You stirred it with a I'll, lobster tail and called it a day. <laughs> float something on top and just be like, all right, there you go. Uh, go with God, my child. Lobster turds. That's what he floated on top. Uh, so yes, the I, I don't know how to say that second word, but the the mai tai, which is also so, whatever that is. Uh, yeah. So uh, the way I've kind of laid these out because we do talk about here's why you don't get this drink in in an Applebee's because they don't have these specific ingredients and they're very specific to making the original cocktail. Mm. So um, each one of these these first few cocktails that we're going to talk about are inclusive of that one weird ingredient. But that one ingredient will probably show up in a lot of other cocktails from from tiki culture. It's just they're very specific to tiki. And so the first one here is Orjo. Oh. Um, and you'll talk a little bit more about it. But Orjo is the is the first one that is very characteristic for the Mai Tai. Okay. Um, yeah, so this cocktail is most likely one of the widest adoption and popular culture of the tiki cocktails, which is also why it may have one of the most debated origins of these drinks. Victor J. Bergeron of Trader Vic's fame is likely the creator of the Mai Tai in 1944. Don the Beachcomber, however, claimed he was the originator of the drink in 1933. This is probably a bit of a stretch because the drink he references isn't a true Mai Tai. It's most likely the QB Cooler. I originally read that as D.B. Cooper. Sure. (laughs) I'm not surprised at all. Uh, most current <laughs> most current recipes for Mai Tais are based on Trader Vic's 1944 recipe, but it's currently nearly impossible to recreate that original version as it used a 17-year-old Ray and Nephew rum from Jamaica, which is now out of production and highly sought after in the oh. vintage bottle market. Oh. Yeah, there are somewhere between one and four bottles of this rum left in the world, and the last time one was sold, it went for $55,000. Oh, God. I, I, I could see this being in a, a glass onion as something that they are, they're serving. Right. Oh, my gosh. Yes, that's exactly it. Oh, that movie. Just like a you know some crazy billionaire who's not really appreciating what he's doing, like yeah, I just wanted to make the most original mai tai. But I mean, in in very crazy, crazy rich person land, mm. fifty five thousand for what? It's not probably, much. It's yeah. a one liter bottle, and and so that's like what twenty eight shots. You could make like probably somewhere around fourteen mai tais. Mm-hmm. Mm. $55,000, 14 Mai Tais that are like special like that, one of a kind. Whenever I hear 14 that, of a kind, 14 that, of a kind. Whenever I hear this spoken, I just hear Daniel Craig going, It's just dumb. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good, that'd be a good sounder, too, actually. <laughs> there um, are people that spend $1,000 for a shot of Pappy Van Winkle 23, one um, shot in a restaurant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wait, wait, wait. And did, was it 23? No, was it. What all years do they do of Pappy? I know the 23 is the oldest. Did they do a 21? Mm, I can't remember off the top of my head. I think it's 20. 20. I know it was one of the upper ones that we had. uh, We were buying it by the ounce at Party Source. Yeah. Yeah. 
before for like it, it wasn't crazy. Well, I mean, it was kind of it was like, like twenty forty bucks. bucks. It was like twenty bucks an ounce. I think is what we were doing, and we were throwing down forty bucks yep. for two ounces. Yeah, and passing it around, and it's just I, I think about what you pay for that at a restaurant now, and I'm like, God, <laughs> yeah. <sighs> Even then, though, it, Pappy was in it like. I guess it's not its highest heyday, but it was still like very sought after, and we were able to just yep. stumble in to their, you know, whiskey bar that they've discontinued since, mm. and be like, "Oh yeah, well, we'll, you know, we'll pay twenty dollars an ounce for this," and now you can't even do that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, me being crazy and old and reminiscing <laughs> back in my day. Yeah, remember where well, you can get? <laughs> That's going to be a thing going forward a lot. Uh, are we going to be the people who are like, I remember when gasoline was under a dollar and it's actually, I remember when Pappy was under a hundred. <laughs> See, yeah. the, the thing is you said gasoline It's like back in my day, gas was $4 a gallon. Back in was. high school when gas was a buck 30 a gallon. I remember that not, too. In high, well, I'm just saying when I, when I turned 16, gas was $4 over $4 a gallon. Oh, I remember being really? in high school and yeah, because we were... there was a a shortage or something like a war in the middle of Iraq or something. <laughs> yeah, there, yeah, some we had invaded Iraq. <laughs> that like increased uh, prices spiked them for a little while in between. Sure, sure. Let me say, I just remember throwing in for gas with Pat, and he was overcharging us to fill up his car when uh, apparently that Buick Skylark took. Uh, what, like $80 a week is what all of us were giving him for gas money until we're like, I don't think this is right. <laughs> <laughs> it's a processing fee. Yeah. Apparently, it was his uh, fee for taking us to page three. Yeah. yeah. All right. All right. So. A modern take on that original recipe includes three quarters ounce of lime juice, a quarter ounce of or- orge. 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 That, that word, uh, syrup. Quarter ounce of Mai Tai syrup and half ounce of dry curacao. Oh, and two ounces of blended aged rum. So the shaker are shaken with ice and strained over fresh crushed ice, garnished with half of the lime used for its juice and floated in the middle. Yeah, all right. Um, oh, you in the middle. Uh, the syrup, I can't say the word anymore. Or, or Joe, or Jay, or Jay. Syrup is more or less a simple syrup made with almond milk instead of water. Sure. Mai Tai syrup is a rich, simple syrup made with a two-to-one ratio of demerara sugar and water. Then a few drops of vanilla extract and a pinch of salt. That would probably be yummy. Uh, The Mai Tai was introduced in Hawaii in 1953 when a Bergeron created, or when Bergeron created a cocktail menu for the Matson Company Hotels, the Royal... Huh? Even I was picturing Tom Bergeron. <laughs> Every time. Um, <laughs> the Royal Hawaiian Hotel and Moana Hotel. The cocktail became a hit and was called the Top Tourist Tantalizer in 1959. In the years thereafter, pineapple juice, orange juice, and dark rum float became commonly used in Mai Tais produced in Hawaii. because uh, of the, the dark rum float. <laughs> because of the Hawaiian travel craze that happened once Hawaii became a state in 1959, it's this version that tourists brought back with them, or brought back home with them, and thus this version has become the de facto Mai Tai in most bars, even though it lacks the complexity of the original cocktail. This is a common occurrence in tiki cocktail culture, where the original gets watered down when it gets made 
in a normal bar. That's kind of like also when Americans get a hold of anything. Well, also <laughs> things just cost the watered down version of everything. Do you do you know how much I I would not have wanted to sit down and try to like you know make out almond syrup every day? Oh yeah, no, I get that. <laughs> Luckily, you can buy it um, just in like normal little syrup bottles, and for the amounts that you normally use, it's okay. Like, but if you're if you're a big tiki bar that's typically doing this, if I was doing a tiki bar, yes, that is. Oh, oh, oh no, I'm just saying like the amounts that they go through, it is much cheaper for them to get gallons of almond milk and make simple syrup from it. Yeah, no, no, no. I just mean like I would be willing to do that there as opposed to oh yeah any other kind of bar. You're like no. No, you'll get something close enough, and you'll go away because you're going to like it because it has alcohol, and you'll be fine. Yeah. And, I mean, oh, I, I'm not sure on the why these two hotels changed the cocktail or why the, the recipe changed over those six years. But, you know, it very well could have been, hey, we have access to these ingredients. We didn't before. It's just what happens. Yeah. Um, But I, I'm glad that this is kind of broken up the way it is because the Mai Tai is probably one of the most most – popular and most seen of all the tiki cocktails mm-hmm. um and the rest of these kind of go together as being like all right you you typically only see them inside of tiki restaurants and tiki bars um planter's punch features the allspice dram so the planter's punch has a reference it has a reference as early as 1694 actually Although the recipe is slightly different from today's, the name references plantation owners and the drink that they may enjoy from the fruit of their land. It has three ounces of rum, uh, an ounce of lime juice, three quarters of an ounce of a Demerara sugar syrup, and a dash of Angostura bitters. You combine that with a set of spices, and then in the modern version, the spices are actually replaced with St. Elizabeth's Allspice Dram. It's a liquor that is kind of rare to find in most cocktail lounges and bars, but you can find it in every single tiki bar out there. They've always got it. Um, it's going to be sh- shaken and strained over ice with a sprig of mint as the garnish. I prefer it stirred. Dr. Funk, we always shake our, our citrus-based drinks, Bob. I know, I know. <laughs> um, and with the Dr. Funk also has a ton of other names um, the Tiki Funk. There's a bunch of different ones out there. Um, I would it, call it uh, Tiki Funkadelic. If it had been a different time, it would be yeah. perfect. Um, the name it actually comes from a German doctor, Bernard Funk, who is a he, friend and physician to Robert Louis Stevenson. He had um, the funk. We got the funk. This drink was originally produced with absinthe, lime, and seltzer. Nope, uh, take as, it back. He did not have the funk. <laughs> as early as the 1920s in the South, South Pacific. Um, the cocktail made its way to two major tiki bars, but with some variation. Um, as it was given um, some sort of health and restorative properties, uh, it may have been claimed as a drink for any time of the day, which means, you know, you could get up and, and have a... Uh, Dr. Funk in the morning. It was kind of like just having a, a Coca-Cola when it actually had cocaine in it. The best part of waking up is absinthe in your cup. In your cup. <laughs> um, when when drinking this, you will definitely get that absinthe flavor and taste. Um, in today's version, um, lemon and lime juice along with black rum, Demerara sugar syrup, and a liquor called Herbicent are all shaken and then strained over 
crushed ice and then topped with seltzer. Who else Herbicine, heard? Who else heard? He keeps hearing Hoobastank when he says Herbicine. Yep. <laughs> I'm not a perfect per. Is that what? That's not Hoobastank, is it? Uh, Look, I only remember I their name. Remember I don't remember any of their songs. <laughs> like, New metal. Uh, look dead. it up. I don't remember. Look it up and see if that's one of their songs. Uh, and if it is, I get a, a bonus have a drink point. I don't okay. want that um, on my search history. But... <laughs> well, that's when you go into incognito mode and you turn on your uh, your your VPN. That's what I did when I wanted to try to get AI to generate a photo of trees jizzing earlier. <laughs> um, I did not want that showing up in my. We were talking about pollen outside ah. and. That was the the conversation. <laughs> Freddie was like, "Where was Zai?" <laughs> like, what you um, <laughs> uh, for today's version of Doctor Funk, though, that herbicide is going to be your replacement for absinthe. I didn't find this in the research. This is just my personal thoughts on it. Absinthe spent a little bit of time um, where it was banned in the United States, so quite a, it, quite a lot of time. Yeah, so it would make sense that if you can't find absinthe you would switch over to something else that's very similar and this uh this herbicide uh, is a um is a product of that being created in new orleans in the 1930s and then maybe a little bit longer right through uh prohibition one point to drunkle puff <laughs> drunkle puff it was that a hoobastank song yes oh my goodness amazing um I don't even. I, I'm not good. At this I've game. never read what? Harry Potter, but I am very proud of Drunkle Puff as a joke. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's <laughs> that's going to be my my next beer name. That's where. Oh, <laughs> Drunkle you're <Puff>. welcome. <laughs> <laughs> um. Ooh, we could do a series of like four normal house beers, and then the fifth one is the hidden, the hidden house Drunkle Puff. There's, oh, okay. <laughs> I was going to say, like, is there? I thought there were four houses from what I understood, but yeah. is there a hidden house? Yeah, it's the house where all the party bros are. <laughs> We've created a whole lore. It's, it's the frat house. <laughs> it's Animal House. <laughs> it's Animal House. <laughs> Somehow in England, they look over and there's a, a secret fifth house, and it's it, there's John Belushi there, just in a toga, going, Doga! Doga! <laughs> Like the sorting hat puts you there, and they give you a bottle of uh, Jack Daniels that you have to chug immediately and slam into someone's car. You know how, how the sorting hat puts you there because you immediately filled it up with booze and are suddenly <laughs> chugging out of it. It's it's like a cop. It the the you actually blow. It's like I uh, I detect the odor of alcohol coming from your breath. Please step out of the hat. <laughs> Or it's like it, for some reason everyone looked away and they look back and whoever it is is pissing into the hat and they're like Drunkle Puff, Drunkle Puff, like that's our. Everyone's look. like, yeah, this, <laughs> this, this is how I would get into Harry Potter if there was a Drunkle Puff. <laughs> the adult years. Hmm. Um, so that that herbicide, if you wanted to make a secondary item from it. Um, there is a product that you can create where it's half Angostura bitters, half herbicent or herbicent, um, and it is called Herbstura. And so it's just a half and half blend. I mentioned that because it's actually used in the next cocktail that we're going to talk about, the zombie. You say herb. Uh, they say herb. We say herb because it's a F H. Yeah, being being New Orleans, like I don't know what they would say in French, but I would think it would be an H maybe. 
No, if it's like French, they would. If it's eight, if it's French, they're, you're just gonna start dropping sounds. I, <laughs> essentially, all all French is just oh, I, oh. <laughs> or is it? Where are the rest? Of, why did you put all these letters here if you're not going to use them? <laughs> um, the zombie has a very long list of ingredients. It's about this point in writing the episode. I was like, nobody needs to know how many ounces anymore. We're just going to talk about the flavors that you're going to get in it. Um, so you can search a zombie. Yeah, oh, exactly. You can find the recipe out there. You know, just here, let's give you the overview. Um, only at a tiki bar, though, would you find this long list of rums, juices, and specialized syrups that it takes to make this drink. First off, this drink is going to be strong. It comes in a tall class of its own name that's kind of like a, a Collins class, but it has even taller proportions. Um, and Lore says that this drink was created when the bartender was asked for a drink to cure a hangover before a businessman had an important meeting. When he came back from the from the meeting, the businessman said he felt like the living dead and it made a zombie out of him. So that's how the name came through. How, uh, alcoholic businessman. What does Data have to say about it? If that was what Laura had to say. Oh. The drink comes from three types of rums, or comes with three three types of rums. You got an... Uh, an about an ounce and a half each of the blended aged and column still rums, along with an ounce of black overproof rum. I put those in there because you need to know this comes with four ounces of rum. <laughs> and one of those is like, when we talk about overproof rum, we're talking about what was Bacardi 151. That's, that's so not a help. That's not a hair of the dog that bit you. That is, that is reliving the night before. Oh, absolutely. That is like, it, no wonder it is called a zombie because what? this, this drink is like five shots. In I don't, we don't need to make the, the, the one punch rum punch. Mm. It's just a zombie. It's the zombie. It exists. It just has a different name. Okay. <laughs> so a lot of times what you'll see used is the plantations OFTD. I think it's a 131 proof, hundred and. Something like that. Like it's it's up there. It's huge. Um, so with that, you will um, add fresh lime juice, grapefruit juice, cinnamon syrup, a couple dashes of that herb stir that we talked about earlier, uh, and a low proof spirit called Velvet Falernum. And this one's a really important one in most tiki bars. Um, Falernum is common uh, in tiki bars. The classic bottle is John D. Taylor's Velvet Falernum, and it comes out to only about 11% alcohol. You can almost think of it more of as a flavored sweetener and liquor, but not really a liquor by itself. It's um, a sweet version of bitters is what I'm hearing. Yes, uh, that's very much it. You can use a little bit more because it's not super bitter. It's just sweet with all the other additional flavors there. <laughs> it's sweet, but it's also alcoholic. Yeah, just slightly. Um, the flavors of lime, clove, nutmeg, cinnamon, cardamom, and lemon thyme are all really prominent. Well, I, t I say really prominent. It is a very lightly flavored. Like you don't get a ton of these flavors in it. It's not like the 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 dasher of Angostura bitters in the fact that you get hit with just one drop. You need to use you know half an ounce, quarter ounce, something like that in a drink to get a good amount in yeah. into it. I'm picturing now the uh, the flavor rangers when they say it's lemon time. Oh. <laughs> I want those tiki drinks, the 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 cups, because they have some with the Power Rangers on them. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, 
Oh, I want those so bad. Mm-hmm. And then we need to have a party with them. Mm-hmm. Like all dress as Power Rangers and run around the neighborhood. It'll can be I, awesome. Can I have a, a uh, oh my God, why am I blanking? The Richard Horvitz. Oh, Alpha 5. Alpha 5, yeah. Aye, aye, aye. That's what he said. Yeah. Have you all seen the trailer for the new one? I have. Oh, yeah. because it's the original Rangers. Richard yeah, Horvitz but is like, back. Two of them are dead. Like, except well, Tommy. And they're dead in the... And Trini. In, they're She's dead also in the dead. I didn't know no she was dead in real life. she wasn't in there. Yeah, she oh. died years ago. That's why oh. I really like it, because they're like, no, we're not recasting them. Like, they're, they're just dead. <laughs> like, they're gone. They gone. It's wow. a shame. It's a shame he did die. He'd have been great to have in that. Oh, oh my yeah. god! Yeah. Uh, in fairness, he's gone back to the Ranger well more times than anyone else. Yeah. Uh, like full on whole other shows where he's like, no, I'm also a Ranger in this now. You're 40 to the rest of them. It's fine. I, I still have attitude, even if I'm not a teenager. I remember the day they revealed the White Ranger. Oh, oh yeah. god! Yeah, you're. Your I remember changed. it was. I remember be where I was and what I was doing that day. I was look. I would. I, I. I vividly remember when the the Green Ranger gave up his powers to the Red Ranger. Mm-hmm. I, the Red Ranger wearing the Green Ranger sh- uh, 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 like chest shield. I vividly mm-hmm. remember going over to my rich friend's house because he had all of the uh, the Zords. He had the whole oh, thing that would combine together. I only, I only had Lord Zed. Like the only, like I think I only had like I had one toy of like the pre-combined Zords, and then I had Lord, like the original Megazord, and then uh, uh, Lord Zed's big dragon. Yeah, you were like me. Thing. You had the the pre-combined thing where like the feet fired out or whatever yes, for like no the fists reason. came off or something. Yeah, oh, I remember that. that. Yeah. yeah, no, he had the one where they were like the fully articulate separate things that all connect together to make the yep. gigantic one. God. And then when I would go over there specifically to play with it, he would hide it to try and keep it from me. The if shit, if Bob. we if if we retitled these things, this would one hundred percent be called member berries. <laughs> Oh yeah, the, the member <laughs> berries like are ripe tonight. Here's another one for you, Bob. Oh. When he says that, oh, I just want to say, rich people, rich people. <laughs> All right. So the next two drinks, the last two drinks that we're going to talk about, I know you're welcome. Um, <laughs> is are, are really only here because of the stories behind them. Um, I didn't think we would get these in the next episode that really talks about the history of Tiki, but I think they're important to talk about in their own right. Um, three dots in a dash, a uh, very classic Tiki cocktail created by Don the Beachcomber, one of the original two, him and Trader Vic, the original two Tiki guys that really created Tiki culture. Um, in World War II, uh, this this drink is named after the Morse code for victory. So two dot, three dots and a dash. Um, the drink features an uh, ounce and a half of some funky Martinique-style rums. We didn't really get, in, get into them. This is a good place to talk about Martinique-style agricole rums. Um, but those are super funky, a lot of like weird, odd flavors. Um, they are another one of those fresh cane juice rums. So they're going to be m- more driven by the terroir of the region. Three dots and a dash is Morse code for just V, but that would have been the v code for, for V for victory. Yeah. Yep. Sorry, um, I was like, like that, that can't be. <laughs> it cannot be three dots and a dash is an entire word. That's not how Morse code works. <laughs> Yeah, it, it, yes, absolutely. Unless, you know, 
who knows? I mean, if SOS was was set up as S three, like <laughs> come and well, get my SOS pod. is like uh, save our nine, ship or something like, like that. SOS is like nine de- nine things. Right. Uh, sorry, saying that set up as three letters as fo- like something as important as an emergency. Instead yes. of saying dial nine one, it's nine one one. It's like hey, dial this twelve digit number. <laughs> <laughs> it is it is a lot, but it is also very easy to remember. So yeah, that makes sense though. Why victory wouldn't have its own? Yeah, um, you're going to add to this this Martinique style rum, um, a half ounce of a blended rum, and this just helps round it out because it is super funky, um, even in a drink like this. So you're going to shake it with half an ounce uh, each of lime juice, orange juice, and honey, um, a honey simple syrup, and then a dash of Angostura bitters and a quarter ounce each of velvet falernum and all spice liqueur. Some of those other classic uh, liquors that we've talked about. You want to strain it over fresh crushed ice, garnet, garner, garnish. garnish it. And this is the most important part. If you're going to make this drink com- com- to be completely honest is the garnish because it's a rectangle piece of pineapple, the dash and three cherries on a skewer, which are the dots. See, I, when I was thinking about like uh, the pineapples earlier, I was thinking about, you know what? Where I'm doing like an actual pineapple garnish that I want people to eat, I just completely shave off the 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 what I now know is called the bark off the edges, <laughs> and then and then do my cutting from there. Or maybe, yeah. uh, but yeah, because that it, it's a handy handle, I guess, for eating. But you know, no, just pop the whole thing in your mouth. Don't um, worry about dying. That statement right there just made me think of a Reddit thread on the bartenders Reddit that's now canon where it's talking about a guy on a uh, Las Vegas strip casino bar. And he's like, Oh, I cut all of the pith out of my limes before I give them to my customer. And everybody like gives him crap about it from now. Like it's now a meme in the bartender subculture. No, I wouldn't quite go that far. This was just like a thing. If like, if I was going to be like doing a a, a rectangle like this, then yeah, no, I'd hundred percent just like, yeah, I'd I'd have like a whole selection. That's just like, all right, we just shave the edges off when you're cutting. (laughs) just a little snack the other drink that's really important to the culture um it may not necessarily be strictly tiki because it's not super complex you can probably get this in most bars actually yeah except for maybe the one one uh garnish on it but um it's the painkiller so the original painkiller was created most likely in the 1970s at the soggy dollar bar at white bay on the isle of jost van dyke in the british virgin islands 1970s is important, and we'll talk a little bit more about this in our next episode where we talk about the history of tiki. But this is post the second, this is in the second tiki resurgence, or a little bit before it even. So, really, the painkiller probably wouldn't even be considered a classic tiki drink because it's not in the pre uh, Vietnam War era. And that's really important in how you approach, mm-hmm. approach tiki drinks here. Um, but it, it has moved into tiki culture somewhat. The inventor may have been Daphne Henderson or George and Mayor Merrick, um, the previous owner of the Soggy Dollar. It was originally made using Cruzon rum. Um, so fairly, at that time, probably mainstream, easy to get rum. Um, in 1989, Pussars Limited filed a U.S. trademark on the painkiller's name and recipe. And when a tiki bar named Painkiller opened in the Lower East Side of New York City in May of 2011. Pussars actually sent a cease and desist to them, and um, the owners actually had to go and do a pre-court um, or an out-of-court settlement with Pussars. Um, 
because they were selling rum or rum drinks called the painkiller first and weren't using Fusar as the brand. And number two, they were dealing with the name issues of the actual band, uh, the, the actual brand. Um, what ended up happening was they got renamed to PKNY in the in agreement. Um, and then in response to the news of this happening, numerous bartenders organized a boycott against Pusaras altogether. Um, <laughs> yeah, I would do that. But yeah, screw those now, guys. Now, I was on a Royal Caribbean cruise uh, a year or so ago, and I was not aware of this at the time. But I do recall, it. first off, Pusaras to me looks like a cheap bottle, bottle of the barrel type of rum. It looks like a lower shelf rum. But it was set like here's 75 bottles across all our shelf. Like we are using this as decoration, not just where we get the liquor from. Yeah. Of Pusar's rum, I was like, mm, I, I, that's got to be something. And now I know it's because the painkiller is such a big deal. Um, to make a painkiller, it's pretty easy. Two ounces of Pusar's rum, four ounces of pineapple juice. We all got that laying around. One ounce each of orange juice and cream of coconut. The cream of coconut is actually pretty important. It's not the same as coconut cream. Learned a little something when uh, when looking at that stuff. Um, so be sure to select the correct option when you're at the store um, or find the recipe where you can make cream of coconut from coconut cream by basically adding sugar to it. Um, you want to shake the drink with ice and strain it over fresh ice and then grate fresh nutmeg on the very top to finish the drink with a unique aroma. That nutmeg aroma really like sets it apart when making this drink. Look, and I can just tell you right now, there's a huge difference between the two. One's where, you know, you're milking in the coconut from its little teeth. The other one is involving jerking it off. So, Oh, that coconut creaming. And, oh. and as, cut that? As, the script, <laughs> as the script says on that, Finn. Finn. <laughs> Whew. That, that, was an, that was an in-depth episode. <laughs> big and meaty and I love it when we have big meaty episodes like this and I learn learn so I'm, much about something that I didn't think had that much it's one of those this is really yeah. one of those things where we did it's you don't know what you don't know until you really dive into it. Mm. I, yeah. I think our last our last episode of Rum and I intentionally did not go listen to it because I wanted to be fresh on this one. I didn't want any like preconceived patterns. Um but I'm almost positive memory serves. It was like, oh, we're talking about gold, silver, uh, and yeah. black uh, and spiced rums. Like yep. that yeah. was pretty much it. Yeah, I was going to say like this. This this got very heavy on the rum end of it for for uh, for you know the half of the, what is essentially a two parter. But it needed yeah. to happen. It did. And, but what I was going to say was like this. This gave us a lot more knowledge on rum than we had before, and I was like, that's it's really cool. And it's kind of the primer, like in the next episode, when we talk about tiki bars and, and what's going on, we'll be talking a little about what they're serving and what what the kind of like the culture behind really, really how it moves. Um, and knowing that a Martinique rum is going to be different from a Jamaican rum makes a lot of sense when you're thinking about how these people are kind of stocking their bars and what they're getting. It does also mean I have time to go buy my Hawaiian shirts. Um, I did buy a custom-made Hawaiian shirt on Etsy, and I can say, like, I'm not promoting any particular vendor, but it turned out a lot better than I expected. If you find somewhere that has tall sizes, let me know. 
Well, they're all made in China at some point. So those those factories have like 75 different American sizes, I'm sure. But they need to make them in tall, damn it. That's all one right. of the 75. Well, what are we drinking tonight, Brittany? So should I use the topic bumper instead since I missed them up? <laughs> just well, we'll just do Muscatel again. Come on. Sparkling Muscatel, one of the finest wines of Idaho. Uh, would you taste it for us, please? Ooh. <sighs> Excellent choice. Should be for ninety-five cents. <laughs> we need to get another clip of the. Uh, would you like to smell the cap? Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, that's, I, I'll never get over it, but it is a very visual gag as well because it's, he's I can picture it every those, time. Yeah. He's wearing those tiny shorts. Ti- yeah. He's wearing the short shorts with that, you know, the, 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 the like button up tie with a bow tie. Anyone who thinks the Muppets or says the Muppets are out of date is just an ass hat and has never actually watched any of it. Mm-hmm. I maintain. All if you right. don't enjoy the Muppets, there's something wrong with your soul. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, Anywho. What are you guys doing? Uh, we started off with uh, this beautiful uh, Sam Adams bourbon barrel double bock. This is one of those uh, things from where we're incredibly spoiled in the city of Cincinnati. And one of the things that spoils us is the Sam Adams Cincinnati Tap Room. And they love to deliver us these beautiful, uh, unique bottlings. And this was for uh, box season, which is, if you're unaware, or, well, yeah, early spring is typically box season here in Cincinnati, where, hey, if you if you missed the Bach episode, we have Bach Fest. It's I think pretty much the only Bach festival in the world mm-hmm. to where come hell, high water, or uh, infectious d- disease, in- infectious diseases, they're going to have it. That's like this past year. Um, the storms, goats must be appeased. <laughs> bad storms rolled through the area, so they canceled the parade officially. And then everyone to do with the parade said, Fuck it, we're doing it live, and they just went oh ahead and did it. They just like got out in the street and did it anyways. They're like, no, screw traffic. We're still doing like they got out the like one and a half story wooden goat, and they're like, no, we're doing it. <laughs> just drunk in the street, and I was like, all right, yeah. Um, but yeah, this is uh, lager aged in bourbon barrels, eleven point eight percent ABV, uh, a nice big bomber. Long, I'm trying to read it off this tiny, like, holofoiled <laughs> bottle label. They're like, oh, uh, the long-awaited spring is almost here, and there's no better way to celebrate than with our bourbon barrel double bock. This, not doppelbock, double bock. <laughs> this rich, malty, German, and then they say doppelbock, even though the label says double is aged in bourbon barrels for 10 months, giving it rich depth of flavor that's guaranteed to wake wake you from hibernation. Well, how they do? Did it live up to that hype? All I know is it's been hanging out with me for like at least a couple of years. I, I am unsure. Nowhere on this does it. I cannot find an age. Uh, it's still good, though. Yeah, it was good. It was uh, very, very sweet. 
Yeah. Mm. But uh, from something bourbon barrel age, that's what I expect. Yeah. Well, I also figure maybe some of the, your, your, some of your other flavors might've fallen off a little bit, but yeah, very malty and sweet. I mean, very caramely and it's, it, it's not hugely complex. Like mm-hmm. it, you'd think it would be, I guess. I would almost call it barley wine esque. <laughs> That's kind of what I was expecting when you said it was going to be a little old, yeah, uh, <laughs> a little long in the tooth. Uh, anyway, after that, uh, I went with my lighter option because this episode ran a little long, and I had, had a nice Hefeweizen. That's just a five point four percenter from Fifty West. And I was like, you know what? We need something to to start uh, relaxing the palate towards bedtime. <laughs> Half your advising. Do it. But yeah, I followed up with some nice banana and clove and then a like lemon I had a lemon cream covered donut also. Those donuts are so amazing. And with the Hefeweizen, I'm just like, Oh yes, that, that oh yeah, that's spring. Just, just wheat on wheat. Mm. Yo weed dog, it. I heard weed Yo dog, I heard you like barley. Yeah. Mm. All right. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, I have been drinking uh, the Appleton Estates Signature Blend. I didn't have time to make a cocktail, and the only lime juice I had in the house was two years old. Ah. Well, sorry, that's not correct. Two years out of date. <laughs> At least you didn't have limes in the fridge you could comb. Oh, my God, I this saw, happened like once? I saw it, and I just went, oh, how are you? Ooh, no, nope. I, so, I thought I had I thought I had like bought new ones since then and I was wrong. It is it is uh, admittedly the fridge of two bachelors living in an, in an apartment. <laughs> if it had lime juice, there would be questions. <laughs> no, there wouldn't be questions if you looked in my room and like, well, there's a there's a there's a, a liquor shelf. Um, the the one thing that I did I talk to you all about slooper juice. What? Slooper juice? Slooper juice. Um, Slimmin' and Slom? No. No? I'm more and more confused as you talk. I thought we talked about this last time. Okay. I don't know. I was drunk at the time. (laughs) It's on the moon. I've been experimenting Mm. with something called Slooper juice from a bartender who actually invented this and he is in is it heroin is it meth have you been doing meth casey (laughs) we need to go to this bar first off i don't care let's just go you know pick a time and go we'll do a show from there whatever but we need to go because i think it would be interesting to go it's in downtown louisville but this guy created you know how you juice fresh limes and then a day later maybe even half the day later it tastes bitter tastes horrible right so it's got like this bad bitter flavor to it. It's because limes have three main acids in them. Two of them are good. One of them oxidizes into this bitter compound. Mm. What this guy has done is create a process where you can take the, the, the acids by themselves as crystalline form, sprinkle them over top of the shaved off peels of the lime. So you're getting like this oleosaccharin, but it's really not sugar and, and oil. It's, it's oil plus acid so it's a little weird one but you take that blend it up let it meld for about a day strain it it is lime juice or tastes just like lime juice that will last you over a month without you have you you have talked about this i just don't remember if it was during the show or during just us Mm. talking around okay 
So uh, really, and of all the things, like this is probably the best show to do it on because we talk mm-hmm. about all these lime forward drinks. But if you have not Slimmon or Slime or Super Lemon Juice or Super Lime Juice, look it up. It is this crazy cool thing that lets you basically buy limes once a month and have lime juice in your fridge for the entire month. Fresh, tasty lime juice the entire time. I'm just picturing Slimer now. <laughs> yeah, also, I can't, can't get the voice quite right for Slimer for like the cartoon. I'm on so. board with this just because limes. But. Mm. Is it just Slimer like jizzing into martini glasses? Mm. Uh, so it's it is not, not only it, yeah, it's not only the length of time, but you also get four times the juice out of the limes. Wow! And you, yeah, and you, you can do. still use the limes. Like you're just using the pills that you would normally not use, so you can still juice the limes. Right now, I've got 25 limes and lemons in my fridge that I need to still like juice because I'm took a, taking their pills. <sighs> anyway, this uh, wow, uh, this rum I'm drinking is um. It's pretty nice. It's got like some nice uh, vanilla and uh, uh, kind of mm. uh, well, it's got a little bit of an alcohol burn. It's a little more neutral than I would kind of prefer, but it's still pretty solid. It's got a, a slight wood character, but yeah, it's pretty good. Is there an age statement on that one? No. Oh, okay. It 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 is it is cheap, like. <laughs> The vert the the cheapest version Appleton will do. So yeah, that's like Appleton's been like changing up their packaging recently too. This is um, also an old bottle that I, I happen I, to see. So I haven't seen the new packaging. I was a fan of the old packaging. Yeah, um, the newer one has a little bit more like paper label uh, effect to it. Like real, like I think the old ones had sort of like coated color to them. But the new ones are like natural color paper and, you know, look kind of like the bottle shape's pretty cool. It, it maintains some of the same like curves, but um, I don't, I think they call it signature now. I think that's probably what it's been called for a while, mm-hmm. um, but it's, it's got a little bit more upscale look. Yeah. Okay. What, uh, what are you drinking, Casey? Um, I'm on a plantation rum. I'm on a uh, kind of a, a one-off. Racist. Yeah, no. Um, they're French. You know, that doesn't make it. Le- There's still white people who owned other people, Casey. This is not making it better. Listen, plantation rums. Uh, I have a special place for not because of the name, but because the spread that they've got. There mm-hmm. are four rums that they produce. There's a uh, a three star rum. That's what I thought you had earlier, but it's a three star white rum, uh, the dark mm-hmm. rum, the pineapple rum, and the overproof rum that they make. That are like excellent rums and also very inexpensive and Mm -hmm. so i'm on board with those but this one this one is a kind of a one-off run they do a bunch of like really specialty rums this one's a one-off that wasn't super specialty wasn't short release um but was also like a little different and that's because it's a 100 percent pot still rum so i was able to get something with a lot of of uh, pot still flavor to it a lot of pot still character number two it's jamaican and number three, it is a dry rum, which means there's no sugar added after it was originally made. What about when it got to the Bahamas? So it came on pretty mamas. It spent Whoa. one to three one to three years in Jamaica and then spent the last year of its life actually in, in France. In Kokomo. Aging in France. 
Um, so it's, it's semi, you know, Caribbean and it's aging, Mm -hmm. but, um, the coolest thing about this one is it probably, I don't know if they use the dunder pits, but it comes across with that very strong, like burnt banana or like not burnt, but like blackened banana flavor. It comes across with like some funk to it. That is characteristic of Jamaican rums, which is really cool. Who runs banana town? (laughs) Like when you, when you think about, the the Doctor Funk or the you know the really like odd drinks out there, this one would be one for it because it brings it. Parliament Drunkadelic. Mm. Um. So yours the the Appleton is a Jamaican rum. It is. It is a Jamaican rum. Yeah. It, but it's, it may not be getting the same funkiness. To I it. don't. Yeah. I don't think it has quite the same. It, it has. It has closer to like a a whiskey quality than it has anything else. Okay. Like a lot of like a. a uh, a wood barrel age anything else which you know they they may be steering away from that because uh, like i said it's very like odd so not everybody likes it yeah and appleton definitely wants to to sell as much they, as they can. yeah they are uh, they are uh, 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 they, they're casting a wide net yep unoffensive mm-hmm. but tasty yeah well today's episode was uh written by one Case annual price. <laughs> sure. <laughs> no. Uh, Casey wrote today's episode. I don't know where he got the sources from. Um, Maybe I'll num- just off the top of the dome. <laughs> Number one source was uh, I went to all the like major manufacturers' websites, but but number one source was a book by Martin Kate called The Smuggler's Cove. Classic um, t- cocktails. It'll also be where we get a lot of the history from. Uh, but it goes through a lot of the here's how it was when it was first invented. Here's how it should be, be given today's climate. Okay. I want to be like, oh, the primary source, and it ex- escapes me. What's the uh, the one source for like everything we know about pirates? Oh, um, oh, bollocks. I, I know kind of what you're talking about, and I can't think of what it's called. There's now. like one historical document that even the legitimacy of it is called into question, but it's basically how we know anything about any big name pirates. Uh, weird, weird tangent before we get out of here because we mentioned pirates. Uh, do you know where the arg comes from? Do not know. It is a, a 1920s Hollywood movie. Um, uh, I'm trying to think it's it, because it, it's not it's not Treasure Island, which is what you would assume for a, for a pirate thing. Uh, uh, it's uh, where is it at? Hill um, Storm. No, no. Uh, but it is. Um, I'm trying to think of the name of it because it's like a. a no, uh, oh well, it, it 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 originates from like one single movie in the twenties that everyone since then has been re- referencing. Twenties mm. or thirties, but yeah. Mm. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let's close this out. <laughs> I guess that's me. That feels odd because I'm usually the the last in any lineup. But you can subscribe and get some great resources at haveadrinkshow.com. Follow us at Have a Drink Show on social media and twitch.tv. We we do sort of a palindrome where you you start it, 
and then we work our way back and then and then we do our regular ending anyway you can tell us your favorite drink ask a question or just leave some general feedback and use the email address feedback at have a drink show.com you can also use the feedback page on the website uh or you can uh you know uh uh uh, uh leave your messages with tiki my my <laughs> personal tiki he will he will he will take the message uh casey will be very upset that he is uh still acting as my messenger but uh, he always tells me to shut them up. <laughs> There's That's a joke so for one other person <laughs> who I don't think listens. That's a joke from college from them. Yep. All joking and fun aside, I'd like to remind everyone to please drink responsibly. All right. And you can check us out uh, in another couple of weeks for the next episode. And remember to check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash have a drink show, and also have a drink store.com. Once again, I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. I'm Christopher Walker. And I'm Case Price. We shall see you next time. Bye, guys. Bye. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> In fairness, Casey, Tiki never told you to shut up. Oh, he told Joe to shut up. Yeah, that's right. Shut he up. swore that he would, because uh, uh, it was, good night, Bob. Good night, Joe. Good night, Casey. Good night.